Hello and welcome to Three and Two, the Warhammer Age of Sigmar podcast about being mad at losing games of Warhammer Age of Sigmar that you haven't practiced for. I'm your host, Matthew Ward, and joining me this week in no particular order, Bridge Nutter. Hello. And Laura Bates. Hello. So, this month we have mostly been going to the Brotherhood team event in Cardiff. So we'll be talking mostly about that. But we can give you a brief little hobby update to start the podcast. I have painted almost all of that one shark I was painting last time. I got it to a tabletop standard and was sort of unhappy with it and then moved on with my life. Rich, how about you? It was fun watching the motivation for that <laughs> like drain out of you in real time as soon as you put a coat of paint on the base room. I painted the remaining Iron Jewels that I needed for my list, and now I'm painting a Bretonian Knight of the Realm, which is, I suppose, technically not Age of Sigmar, so we'll move on from that. Laura? I painted a whole bunch of dwarves for the middle of strategy battle game, which is probably also not Age of Sigmar, really. <laughs> and then I painted the Warhammer Plus vampire model who is possibly called Carlina Van Karstein, but I might have made that up. She was quite fun. Uh, And then I have just started painting, I forgot what they're called, the Cruel Boys Warhammer Underworlds Warband. I think they're called Dagox Stab Lads. So I have finished one Oruk as of today, and I'll probably finish the others over the weekend. Nice. That's good going. The rapid hobby update. Yeah. So we'd like to do it. Well, it's not. To talk about. We've got a lot of games to talk about. So, (laughs) I think we've talked about Brotherhood a few times before, so I'll just quickly go over it. So it's a six-person team event hosted in Firestorm Games in Cardiff in the UK. I won't run through what a team event in Warhammer Age of Sigma is. I assume if you're listening to this, you probably have an idea. If you don't, it's teams of people playing Warhammer Age of Sigma. Very good. <laughs> it's one we try to go to fairly often. I think this is our third that we've we've managed to get to. Yeah, yeah. And it's always one of my favorite favorite ones of the year. So it's good to. It's just nice to see people. I think that you don't always get to see. Like it's an excuse to get the crew out. Yeah, absolutely. Like every every sort of small group of regulars at things like Blackout and Bloodshed and all of those other events sort of brings out their their lesser spotted other Warhammer friends to make up a team of six, right? And you end up seeing people you haven't seen for a while, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, so our team was the three of us and we had some friends of the pod. So we had Luke, we had Chris, we had Zach, who came to us from various different places, but all through the through the role models community, which is lovely. I'd never seen Zach in the flesh before. I've worked with him a fair bit on over at the Go On Hammer now. So it was good to see him. And Chris lives like two minutes down the road from me, but we see each other like three times a year. So it's still, <laughs> it's still, <laughs> it's still good <laughs> to be able to see him. And Luke, I haven't seen since the last time we played with So that's probably going on for yes. two years. Yeah. Going in, so traditionally, whilst we've all had a lot of fun, Brotherhood's been an event we've done really badly at. So I think the first time we came 
very close to the bottom. And we last were either time we came... yeah. What were we? Last yeah. but one or last but two? I think the first time so we, did... we were last yeah. but two. Yeah. And the last time we were actually last, which is a bit sad. I think part of getting the wooden spoon is a bit of fun because Tommy lets you name the trophy for the next year. But also it is just sad because you lost a shitload of games. And you have taken looking happy about <sighs> being shit at Warhammer, so... You do. Now persuade your teammate to take your trophy home so you don't have to carry it on the train and never pick it up again. Yep. You're going to get it back in the post one day. Just, just, <laughs> I'm going to stop mentioning it and then in like three years' time you'll get it in the post. <laughs> so my hope going in was to win more than we have previously. I think I wanted to do like as well as we could do. I had no illusions that we're gonna like take the event out. Brotherhood in particular is ridiculously competitive. There's like two England teams, Team Wales turns up. There's some teams of definitely not club mates that get together to try and win it. Like Jack Armstrong comes out of retirement to rock up and crush everyone's hopes and dreams so I was just basically I was coming in hoping that one we obtain the achievement that everyone on the team wins a game we've never done that before yeah we've come close but another friend of the pod Michael has has never successfully won a game of Warhammer Major Sigma so that's (laughs) not a brotherhood eh? I assume also just outside as well he's moved on (laughs) to bigger and better things he has. It's not, he has. It's not about I want to say I days. think you're wrong, but I don't actually think he won any games at the last narrative event. I was that with him either. <laughs> so it's possible that is actually true. So that was kind of my main hope was to place place somewhere in the middle, win more than we lost, and everyone wins a game. It's kind of as a captain going in. Those were my desires. I don't know how you guys felt about it. I wanted very specifically not to come last. <laughs> I would have been very happy with last but one and just avoiding being bottom again. I feel that every time we go to Brotherhood, we have a bit when we say, maybe we'll try really hard this year. Mm. And we sort of talk a bit about what armies would complement each other. And then we always just end up going, actually, I want to take this and I want to take this and I want to take this because I don't like how this other army is painted. And we kind of did that a bit this time, I think. So I feel like yeah. we did not... I'm sure some of the other armies, other teams, sat down and went, what lists should we take to make sure we've got a really good mix of team lists? And we definitely didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, like, that... we had very little yeah. shooting, say, for example. Which we had some, but I tried. compared to what a lot of other lists had, we had a lot of armies that just wanted to run and have a punch up, which was See, fun, I, but not necessarily optimal. I think one of my observations looking at the list was actually there wasn't that much shooting at all. I found a lot of was, cities of Sigma. Yeah, but that was kind of it, right? Like zero yeah. Lumineth, a really surprisingly small number of shark lists, like three or four total. Yeah. There's more uh, KO the... at the top end of the yeah, KO table. at the top end. Basically none on the tables we were playing at. All of the Sylvaneth was mad and there was a lot of Sylvaneth. Yeah. There were like a couple and... of units of bows, but no no shooting skew in the Sylvaneth or so. Yeah. And I think a lot of the Stormcast wasn't really shoot cast. It was more like 
Alien Waterworld a lot, cast. A lot of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not all Depends of them. what you consider shooting, maybe, a bit. <laughs> there was a lot of long strikes there. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah. Not in the same way as it has been previously for, for Stormcast, I think. They're a bit... There's a bit more there now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Rich did have to run face first into one of those armies, which I'm sure he'll regale us with. So, I think... Oh, yeah, Rich, what were your hopes and dreams? Oh, yeah, that's nice. It's bold for you to assume I have them. Uh, yeah, I think you, you've both kind of covered it, really, just not to get the spoon, hopefully to come sort of more significantly placed than missing the spoon by one position, to have fun, sort of maybe, hopefully, play some teams that we've played previously and like playing. I guess sort of been on my list. Person, I didn't really go into it with particular hopes and dreams, like for myself, because I knew I was taking in like a pretty subpar army, to be honest. So, which maybe like one of my hopes and dreams might have been to get a painting nomination. <laughs> Spoiler alert! But yeah, no, 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 like real competitive thoughts about wanting to podium or anything like that. I don't think any of us were that delusional. Oh no! So, sometimes in the quiet hours of the morning, I'd lie there, picturing myself stood with a trophy. To go, don't you? You do always sort of yeah. like dream of that first matchup and think like, yeah. "Well, what? What if I just won? what if we kept on winning? What if, what if we did? Yeah, and I suppose. Like <laughs> with that in mind, what was our first matchup? <laughs> <laughs> Should we just recap what lists, what factions we all took? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's talk That's about a good that. Idea. I had Gargants. Yeah. I, you were keen on Gargants, and I was cool on them, and I think you were you ended up being vindicated today because I think every single team had Gargants. Yeah. Yeah, I think... And I think, I don't know, I think they're a useful list to have in the draft. Mm. Because they really were, actually. there's not a lot of terrible matchups for them. They can usually get some points out of something, and they're quite a good one just to put down as one of your lists when you throw something out. To see what it runs yeah. into. Yeah, I think, and you're, I think, correct on all of those fronts, and that's why everyone did it with a bit of variety as well. But you were running what three megas, three babies? Yeah, three megas, three man crushers, not in King Broad Stomp. So probably the most common type of garden list people took was four megas in King Broad Stomp. But I don't mm. own four megas, so I didn't do that. But I didn't really. I think it was fine. There were other lists that had man crushers in, and they fulfill a purpose. So I was happy enough with that. Fair enough. Rich, what did you take? I took Iron Jaws, the army with, if not the lowest, then the lowest but one position in most recent rankings things. But hey, I painted the army. I like the army. They, yeah, so the classic, like, a more crusher, various flavours of Iron Jaws battle line, a couple of war chanters and a wizard, and my sort of weird addition, I guess, was the big pig, the Morgranta Gouger, which is fun, and sometimes it's good. I like the big pig, yeah. Sometimes it's not good, I think. Like, (laughs) I have, I have, without turning it into a list click, I I saw there is 400 points of that list, which is the big pig, and the Univard boys, which I think would just be much better off being another, like, two units of Brutes and something else, like two units of brutes and another wizard, even, or like mm. another unit of brutes and unit of pigs or something. Like, there's 
sort of. I think because the momentum is a kind of a trap because you kind of want to run it around in circles, gaining momentum. That's yeah, that- having something that fast to just run out to a side and score battle tactics is pretty useful for 180 points. So. I like it as a cheap monster, and if I think if momentum happens, then fine. But otherwise, yeah. it's kind of a non-functional mechanic. I think it doesn't really do what they want it to do. Yeah, there is an argument for like bonus monstrous rampages, so that you've got yeah, you know, like another source of roaring something or stomping something in Iron Jaws, where you're struggling for rend and definitely don't want people to stack your saves or stack their saves they're, rather. So they're very similar points to three pigs, and I think they're very competitive with them. I- they're fine. Yeah. There's a strong argument on that basis in that it probably hits as or slightly harder and also it just can't, you can't lose any of it to Battle Shock and it doesn't degrade so yep. you know if, it, if a unit of pigs takes five wounds, they're the same save, you lose a pig and potentially have to worry about Battle Shock tests because they're only for every six, whereas if the gouger takes five wounds it just carries on, so... But I think for that to be like really effective, you probably have to have like six of them. So, <laughs> or slightly not six because that would be illegal, obviously. But <laughs> I had them in three units of two, I guess. Yeah. Then you could lose onto Battle Shock, and that'd be awful. So, <laughs> right. Anyway, sorry, that's too long on my list. What were you playing with, Matthew? No, it was good. I was playing Odin Deacon. I was playing Fuetan, 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 Fuetan. There's an accent on one of the letters. Witan. The shark one. As literally every other Deep Gun player is doing at the moment. Now, I took a Smash King, standard like a Keeling King, with the Arcane Tome, because there's no good artifacts in that book. Yeah. Tidecaster. She's interesting. Maybe I'll talk about her later. She has a useful spell to teleport a hero, which is always her. But it's still useful for various reasons. And then two Bloodthirsty Shivers, which works out being six individual sharks, Kilian Leviadon, which is a turtle, and a unit of six Morsar Guard, which are the, the fighty, stubby eels with the spears. Mm. So that, I guess, was my unusual flavour, because I don't own nine sharks and I never will, which is what most deep players are from. Three more. It's fine. Yeah, it's a lot of work and a lot of money, so no, thank you. But and it's probably getting nerfed in a month. <laughs> yes, yes, <Ugh. laughs> exactly. So I didn't want to go that far. And but that's my experience with it was is that maybe the three X sharks would have been better, but actually, Morsa Guard is still really good. They did a lot of heavy lifting for me in ways that I think maybe sharks couldn't have replicated. So it's not it's not all like terrible news there. I think the army's in a weird, okay place. But only if you take loads of sharks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not seeing much like Marty spam or anything no. these days, are you? No. Cool. And then I guess just quickly, the rest of our team. Mm. We had a Lucas running. Oh Head god! Head of I, my brain was just going sold like grave lords, and I knew that wasn't right. It's just thinking of big. Big word, army names, yeah, Head of Knights. Mm-hmm. Luke has actually given us some thoughts on what he took, so should we read that out? Go for it. Oh, yeah. Now, Luke says, I agreed to go to Brotherhood and then, like all competitive things, stopped thinking about it because I felt like I would do terribly anyway. 
<laughs> work kept me from getting really involved in theory crafting and playing practice games, so I defaulted to Head Knights of Slanesh, who are in a rough place right now, but I had most of my list painted and wanted to try and make them work. The other choice was Sylvaneth, perhaps with Balthanos. There was one other Head Knights player and eight Sylvaneth players, six of whom took Balthanos. To be he fair does to have Luke. a really nice Head Knights army yeah. that looked really cool on the table. Yeah. Zami's so been cool. playing it solidly yeah. for a couple of years, right? So he's quite he, experienced with that. He also didn't own a Balthanos at that time. So that. Yes. Yeah. It, that would have involved him having to like borrow one and then. I don't think that feels great for players who want to be playing with their own models and stuff. So, you know, that's fair enough. And then yeah. Chris on the team took... He was sort of... Blades of Corn? Sw- yeah, he took Blades of Corn in the end. I think he was swinging a lot between cities and possibly Slaves to Darkness, he was talking about at some point, maybe? Yeah, yeah. He ended up I think he just couldn't get the cities painted in yeah. time. So. so he took Bloodthirster Heavy... Blades of Corn, and lastly we had Zach, who was the only person who painted up a new army for the event. Basically, he took uh, Trog heavy, but not all Trog. This might get. So I think he had some other bits and bobs in there, like some 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 goblins and the Gobberpalooza, yeah, and a couple of units of Spore Splatter fanatics, mm-hmm. and I think a unit of Stabbers, yeah, and yes. some wizards. Various yeah. small goblin wizards. Yeah, I think you just get whatever you want in those armies. I think. I think he had six casts a turn. He said <laughs> from all just little wizards. Yeah, he does loads so. of magic, and Skagrot has loads of booster casts. So it's does he even have Skagrot? Skagrot in that list? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, okay. Cool. So yeah. You, you genuinely just get whatever you want in his army. Hey, but yeah, I think that was the most obviously competitive army we had, just because. Everyone else was just taking what they already owned, basically. Also, Zach was like playing two games a week with it and modifying yeah. it and like list crafting it every time. So, yeah, yeah, and beating credit me to him for... with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I played one game, so it's <laughs> fine. I've I kind of played a lot with Deepin. They haven't really changed, so yeah. Didn't I didn't feel too bad. I sort of knew going in what I was going to struggle with, and I, I was broadly correct. So, round one, everyone immediately in the chat decided that we were just instantly going to give up and lose and go home, because we were drawn into Team Wales, who were, what I guess, one of, the, one of the teams that probably were going in wanting to do well, is how I describe their approach, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lots of very good players. Yeah. Not too. Very nice players, hasten to add, like all lovely yes. people, but... Yeah, Captain um, by Owen Jackson, who I, I wanted a rematch with and tried to engineer, and he cruelly denied me. <laughs> and I, I suspect that would have been a more fun game than I ended up having without without wanting to. <laughs> Before we permanently offend someone, I'm just going to say that I think actually, according to the lists, they were captained by Dan Arnold and Owen Yeah, Jackson. Dan was their captain. Oh, okay. Well, then I apologise, Dan. But. I'm sure he's listening. Yeah, Why no. not? Yeah. So I I will try with each round to briefly touch on the draft. It's me and Chris doing the drafting each round. I don't remember huge amounts of all of it. I've made some very brief notes. So I, my th- my thoughts going into this round was not to try and immediately just roll over and die, but it was quite a hard team to draft into. So the plan broadly 
was to put Gargans down first because the first battle plan was Geomantic Pulse. And that's a good battle plan for Gargans. And just getting that as a guaranteed result was something we wanted. Mm. The problem we had with this matchup into Wales was they had a Stormcast army that none of us wanted to play. And they knew that. So what they could do is in every pairing process was give us one army that they wanted in that matchup and the Stormcast. And they pretty much knew we wouldn't pick the Stormcast, so they would get the match they wanted. And we didn't really have a response to that because we had no teams that wanted to play the Stormcast. As long as they, as long as they dodged me, I think they were broadly going to win with that. Whatever. So what ended up happening was, because we said no thank you to the Stormcast every time, it ended up going to the final pool and pairing off against Rich, who we also left to last. Yeah. So that's how we ended up. Yeah, I guess maybe we go go to the first match that we paired off. So that would be Laura. Yes, I was playing Dave Towsey's Ossiart Bone Reapers. So he had, it was no myriad, which is good for me because I don't have any magic, so do not care. So he had he had Arcan the Black, he had a Liege Cavalos, he had a Mortisan Ossifector, he had two units of four Morgast Archai, he had a small unit of a Mortis Guard, a small unit of Cavalos Death Riders. I think that was probably it. So broadly, the Morgast Archai are the thing that is doing the damage. They can mm-hmm. really dish out a lot of damage. They also turn off command abilities when you're in combat with them, and they can strike first, and they're generally pretty scary. And then Arcan is very strong magically, and the other stuff, I think, is sort of mainly there for battle tactics, grand strategies, mm-hmm. filling in the gaps. But the Morgast so, running with the big hellbirds. <clears throat> yes. I am trying to find my notes. So... <sighs> He was one drop, so he made me go first. And I had played a OBR list the previous weekend and made the mistake of being sort of too aggressive, running up the board, and then it charged me and murdered me. So on this occasion, I did not do that. With Geomantic Pulse, you can't score very much on objectives first turn. So I broadly left my Megas just standing at the back, and I ran the Baby Gargants up the sides to get the Surround and Destroy battle tactic. Actually, no, I did not run the Baby Gargants up the sides. I walked them up, and that was a mistake, because my grand strategy requires me to run or charge a Gargant every turn, and I just forgot. And somewhere in the middle of about round three, I went, yeah, didn't run anyone first turn, did I? And then I did not learn this lesson, as we will see <laughs> later in this tournament round up. But anyway, apart from accidentally failing my grand strat, it was quite a boring first turn. I think then he didn't do a massive amount of his first turn either. He just sort of moved some stuff up a bit. Uh, I won the roll-off for turn two priority and gave it to him because the person who goes second gets to choose where the pulse, which end the pulse is in Geomantic Pulse. And he'd kind of castled up, but his castle was left of centre, so it was really good for me to be able to put the pulse on the right-hand side of the board, basically. I think that was probably the right decision. But it did mean he got the chance to charge me with one of the units of Morgast Archai, who nearly killed my Kraken Eater. They didn't quite. I think they took him down to, like, four wounds or something. Um, so then... On my turn two, I went really heavily into that unit of Morgast Archai. I just put everything into them to make sure that they died. Um, 
Then there was a really important priority role into turn three. So if I'd won it, I'd have been able to throw the beggars into his second unit of Morgar Starkai and probably kill them before they did much damage to me. And I think I'd have been in a really strong position. What actually happened was that he won it, charged me with his entire army. I think everything except his general oh, possibly charged into combat. Both did an awful lot of damage, so a lot of stuff died. But I think he ended up killing two megas. He killed the one that was already damaged and he killed my war stomper. I killed pretty much. I think probably all of that second unit of Morgar Starkai. But at the end of that, he just had more stuff left than me. So I had my Gatebreaker was still alive and didn't, you know, he stayed alive for the whole game, but he just couldn't do enough by himself. So at this point, I wasn't really in a position to score many battle tactics because I just didn't have enough Gargants alive to do it. So yeah, the rest of the sort of turns four and five were really about me trying to find weird ways to score battle tactics and not quite achieving it by throwing rocks at heroes and <laughs> oh, trying to kill Arcan in a combat and things like that. I think there was a term that I had a decent chance at something, but then the Bone Tide Nexus got one of its debuffs off that meant my one remaining Mega Gargant was minus three to charge and couldn't run or something like that, and that limited the amount of battle tactics he could achieve. So yeah, I lost, but not it wasn't by miles. I think it was about six points in total. So I did score yeah. pretty well on the primary because Gargants are very good at standing on objectives. I dropped battle tactics for the last two turns because I just didn't have enough stuff left. But it was quite, you know, it felt like a game I could have won, particularly had I got that turn three priority. I think that would have made a massive difference. Mm. It was a really fun game. Dave was a really good opponent. And we both knew each other's armies quite well, which, you know, always makes for a good game because you feel like you are playing the sort of tactics and not getting caught out by things you'd forgotten stuff could do. Yeah, I think we picked you that one for that specific reason, because we were like, ah, oh, you're going to know this matchup really yeah. well. Yeah, it was a pretty good choice of matchup. It was definitely a winnable game. You know, I wasn't going into it thinking, mm-hmm. gosh, I've lost this one. You know, Dave's a really good player, so when he played his army really well. But yeah, it was a fun match. I guess we should briefly talk about how scoring at the event works. It's not normal. So, basically, the Every game had 20 points, tournament points available in it. And how those were distributed between each player was based on the differential between your victory points in the game. So basically, the the more points you won by, the, the more tournament points you got. So if you won by a huge, huge margin, you could get a 20 nil. But if you won by quite a small margin you might get like a 16 and the other player would get four and i feel like correct me if i'm wrong i feel like this scoring was much harder to get a 20 nil in than in previous iterations of the pack i think yeah we, we i didn't yeah i didn't ever get a 20 in any of my games and neither did my opponents I think it is maybe less about the pack and more about the way the scenarios work yeah, these days. Because I think you tend to get closer games in victory point terms than you used to in previous GHPs, yeah. maybe. I'm not sure if maybe the first one we did, it was stepped by a single point every time rather than like two points per interval as well. I'm not sure, honestly. The first one we went to, it was all about like secondary objectives and things. Yeah. So it was just yeah, like a major win different. that you automatically got 16 points. And then there was some secondaries on yes. top of that. But because it was getting all your secondaries and denying. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Whereas this was just purely on end of game VPs. So it included your battle tactic and grand strat score, but gave no extra bonuses for completing them aside mm-hmm. from that. Which I, yeah. I think is different from the last one as well. 
Yes. I think I really liked to... the scoring system. It meant there was always stuff to play for kind of thing. Like yes. even if, you know, just scraping a battle tactic yeah. somewhere made a difference. So I think it was good. Yeah. I liked this yeah. iteration. I I always felt like there was something to be playing for. So I thought it was well very well done. Definitely. I guess I'll talk about my game. So the last time I went to Blackouts, there's a game I had against a player called Greg Shelton who was playing Legion of the Night back when that was absolutely colossally busted, and I had a complete non-game against him. So anyway, my first game here was against a player called Greg Shelton, and he was playing <laughs> Tempest's <laughs> Eye, Cities of Sigma, because Legion of the Night got nerfed. So he was he was playing two Alchemite Warforgers, Pontifex Zenestra, a Command Corps, a Steam Tank Commander, and five Steam Tanks. Stupid list. Yeah. I hate that it works. Yeah. Are we were playing on Nexus Steam Collapse. Steam tanks have been rubbish for ages. Don't begrudge them their time. No, no, but side. if you're going to run a Steam tank, it should be like two commanders and eight Steam tanks, and that should be it. <laughs> Not a Pope on a chair. <laughs> so we're playing on Nexus Collapse, which is the one where whoever has the fewest VPs at the, end of, at the start of a battle round can destroy objectives. Yeah. This is a, a weird game, so there's a lot going on here. I We both castled up in like hilarious, exactly perfectly mirrored corner deploys, both screening each other out with our stuff. He was screening him out with steam tanks, I was screening him out with sharks. Spoiler alert, one of those is a lot better than this. But I elected to go first, and I had, which is unusual in Age of Sigma, but I had two reasons to do this. One is I wanted to just try and alpha something a lot of what his army has is layered defences that he gets up in his own turn. So there is a 5 plus ward bubble prayer and there is yep. a... The Alchemite Warforges have a plus one save bubble. So those are both fucking huge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially given that Steam Tanks are 2 plus save models base. Yeah. Get so out the game. Get out of the game. <laughs> So I elected to go first just to try and get some damage into them before that happened. And also, because of my one weird trick, which is deploy the Tidecaster at the back of the board out of unbind range, your opponent does the same thing with their wizard, and you trade magical dominance. Apart from what you do is you cast a teleport spell, and then you teleport her to within unbind range of his wizard. So... Yeah. And also what that meant was doing that put her at the front of my army, which means he has to shoot the Tidecaster rather than anything else. Yeah. Uh, which again, is very helpful in this matchup. But that ended up actually working perfectly. I got Magical Dominance, I got her into Unbound Range, and then in his turn he failed Magical Dominance because I unbound him with her. So that worked. Sweet. That was nice. And also he had to shoot her, which he did, <laughs> which saved my <laughs> army. So I think in a in a normal battle plan that would have been a really good start for me. The problem was, I think I don't know. I I don't think I could win this game at all. But maybe my plan was wrong anyway. So my plan was to just score a lot early, knowing he would purposefully try to score less than me, and then just try to cling cling on, basically, for as long as possible. And he did intentionally try to score lower than me, and him failing that battle tactic meant he really scored lower than me. I think he got two points turn one, and I got five. And then in my 
going to turn two. I got the priority, so we're just going backwards and forwards. I scored another five points, but my decision here was to just commit. He had pushed his army out in such a way... So he obviously removed two of my objectives at that point, because I was ahead. So I had to commit somewhere anyway. He had pushed his army out in such a way that there were three steam tanks on one flank with most of his stuff, and then there were two just kind of dangling by themselves. So I thought, well, fuck it, I'll... My army basically all moves 14 inches. I can effectively redeploy across the board. It's my run and charge turn. So I did that. And I went in and I killed a steam tank. Yeah. Which, yeah. With my army. That's, that's pretty painful. When you, when you, that included losing a shark in my own shooting phase to return fire. Oh, return fire. Yeah. Yeah, so I should point out, when I took that first turn to, to do Alpha Strike things. I was trying to shoot his command core, and in my first turn, I I killed one model in his command core, which he brought back. And then yep. in my second turn, I killed a nun. I did one wound and lost a whole shark to return fire. Which, like, maybe I shouldn't have shot at all, but you kind of you, you just kind of have to like you have to try you have to you do have to remove the stuff that's doing the buffs right i think his army it's an is an unfortunate is, matchup right that does the yeah. same thing as yours but better <laughs> yeah the other thing is that if if you can get rid of the command core because of how his army's set up that's the only thing that provides protection to his characters so if you can pick the command core up early or lower them enough, then you can start shooting the Warforgers, you can start shooting Zadastra, and they do die very quickly. That never got to happen in this game, because the command core were invincible. You just passed every save. Again, the plus one AoE save, and the five plus wards is brutal, and the fact that he can do the same command like three times on his steam tanks, so he just gets three all-out defenses, so they're on like effectively zero plus saves. Against my Rend 1 or Rend 2 is what my army really caps out at. Sort of made it impossible. So his turn 2, he just goes in and, and takes my army off at that point. I think we called it there, but it was a very strange game because it, he took my objectives off in the second battle round to I force me to come forwards, which worked. But I then lost so hard so quickly that I got to remove all of the objectives in subsequent turns. So by basically the earliest possible point, there could be no objectives that were. So he just couldn't score primary for like two battle rounds. <laughs> so it only ended up only ended up being a 10-17 in BP. So actually it was quite a narrow win to him. I think it was in like a 15-5 or something. That would Whereas, be a 15-5, yeah. Yeah. So we, we talked about it afterwards and he thought I should have just played standoff and stand away from him and Plink and so I, that sounds to me just like losing slowly, which probably benefits him. So yeah, I, no. I wasn't sure about that. I just think there's nothing, there's nothing here for me, and I was happy to get any points. I guess is there like gaming playing standoff for an extra turn using, I say using Tycaster to like teleport the king behind and just mess up his backline, but I guess the Tycaster is dead by this point because yeah, she was. Yeah. She spent a turn saving the rest of your army. So yeah, 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 mm -hmm. potentially. And I mean, I could have deployed to teleport the king solo, 
<clears throat> I think outside of High Tide, he struggles, but because at that point you're then tr- punting him with a nine inch charge to kill yeah. the Warforger. Yes, it's not a deal. I just think the army's a bit good. There's too many stuff that can receive too many buffs. There's too much keyword synergy here on stuff that I don't think was designed to receive it. I think they wrote all yeah. those rules and were thinking this will be really good on the new infantry we've designed. Oh. I think even when it's stacked fusiliers and cavaliers and no one no one's taking any steam helms or steel yeah. helms, sorry. It can be really powerful, but the orders kind of feel right and legit, and I think, yeah, <laughs> stacking things like that onto steam tanks feels less like it was intended. But you know, I have to assume it it was thought about. This I don't isn't really like think a... anything should have a two plus save. I don't think yeah. it was designed for stuff to have two plus I have saves. thoughts about that in one of my later games. <laughs> <laughs> there have been things with two plus saves before that have been fine, but it's been stuff like junk corn cavalry. Yes. Or like sometimes like characters will, but it's never like Alariel, is it? It's like Bastion Carthalos or something. Like a comparatively small character. I also think he mm. might be a three up still. Yeah, I think it's like Annihilators as well, like the shield ones who are like yes. broadly okay. There's but they don't do a do huge them, amount but... of damage. Yeah. 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 So I just think yeah, some tweaking needs to happen on that, and Alchemite Warforge is just randomly being the most efficient wizards in the game. It's just a bit odd. But the Warforge is go. absurdly good. Yeah. 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 And There's, having two. I'm sure it will get tweaked, right? It's just not been out for that long yet, and people are still yeah. discovering what these lists do. Yeah. I mean, Pontifex Zinastra is incredible, especially the turtle, which I think she basically soloed just through <laughs> whenever it's like the start of the combat phase, she does AoE mortal wounds, and then after she fights, she does AoE mortal wounds. She can be really good. Yeah. Kind of terrifying. So, yeah, I mean that was a, that was a team there to win, and, and that was there are a couple of armies like that there, and I can see why. Yeah. How about you, Rich? Yeah, talk through mine quickly. So I was playing team captain Dan, who, as I hinted at, had the shooting entirely shooting shooting focused on catalyst that we'd all gone. Oh, I don't really want to play that. He actually said when we were setting up, I think I've bust myself here in pursuit of getting. The rest of my team good matchups, and I do. I sort of see his argument a little bit in that he's got like there is no wound density in his list at all, really. So th- this list was five night judicators who are the long distance bow hero. They get like two damage, three rend, two or three shots each, like hitting quite reliably. So five and they of those. Come yeah, when you deploy those, at whatever point you deploy the model, you also deploy a unit of two Griffhounds near them. So there's like some built-in free objective grabbing and screening models there as well. There is three units of long strikes, as you might expect, three minimum-sized units. Two units of five Vigilors, who are like the sword and bow infantry. Their tech in this is that if they wound anything with their bows... Everything else that shoots it gets plus one to hit. And there was one unit of five vanquishers that the sword guy. And they were there in service of his grand strat, effectively, which was that 
to complete it, he had to have only Redeemer battle line left, which meant the two units of Vigilers had to be dead, and the unit of Vanquishers had to be alive. So yeah, we sort of set up... Yeah, he said it wasn't ideal, but he'd sort of let the one he would have taken, he'd given someone else on the team, I think. Yeah, he... This was, I mean, it was a defeat for me, this game, but I took first turn in this sort of for a similar reason to you, Matthew, and I was like, well, if I can kill anything turn one, that is less shooting that's happening to me. But part of the thing about this list is Thunderstrike, not Thunderstrike, sorry, Science of the Storm, Stormcast. So for everything you deploy, you put something in the sky. It's basically all of the threat units start the game in the sky. And that's just like a few night judicators bouncing around. A nice sort of thing about that is, although a night judicator and a unit of two griffhounds are two units once they deploy, because of the way it's worded, it's just like a thing that happens from the judicator's war scroll. It's only one thing to put in the sky. So you can end up putting lots of stuff in ready to deep strike at some point later in the game. Though I sort of just charged them more. I moved my army up and charged the more Crusher all the way across the board. It stomped a unit of Griffhounds to death, and then it killed four Vigilers out of a unit of five, which was really annoying. And then obviously got shot to death in return. Dan pretty systematically picked like a unit at a time to try and kill. I got a couple of good rally results throughout this game. I've never used rally so effectively in my life, I don't think. At one point, I think I had... He spent like longer than expected focusing on the brutes in the middle of the board and the ragers. So the pigs kind of managed to shoot off to his back line and managed to score me surround and destroy in turn three and kill a couple of characters. And then sort of got whittled down to three out of six left. And then I managed to bring two of them back on a rally. <laughs> oh my God. But ultimately, I like I just ran out of stuff. He got to a point where he could like outplay me. And he is a very good player as well, Dan, to be fair to him. I think I played quite cleverly with my wizard and my art boys for quite a while. Which is that the wizard is there to teleport something turn one, if needs be, and then basically hide and sort of turn four-ish as try and teleport something or himself into the enemy backline so that I can score my grand strat, which is to have the general, which is him, awesome battle line within my opponent's territory. I had to try and do it on turn four because Dan hadn't been able to screen like the back corner of his territory, but if he got another turn of movement, he would. Uh, and he got there, which then kind of meant, unfortunately, he sort of just died. And I missed out on my grand strat. I spent quite a lot of the game studiously ignoring the vanquishers, despite them being in like, a, oh, you should charge me position. Because I was just like, well, it doesn't matter what happens to the vigilers. If I just don't kill the vanquishers, then mm. so like, I ignored one unit of vigilers and the vanquishers rather, because if they're both alive, he doesn't get his grand strat. I could have got two more points i went for lead into the maelstrom and i had to do it with the pigs and a war chanter and they both made their charge the pigs just killed oh, you did the and yeah. then the war chanter absolutely drummed a unit of dogs to death so i failed <laughs> the battle tactic because of that and then 
had like a long play into reprisal in my final turn, which had I succeeded would also have left the pigs wholly within his territory for a battle tactic. But I didn't get that for the grand strat, sorry. So I didn't get that swing. I think we sort of worked out even if I did, it would have been 21-20. As it was, it was 21-15, which was like a 15-5 again, I think. So kind of dragged more points out of it than I thought we might. But um, I think they're quite hard matchup. We were playing next to each other, and I was looking at the board state quite a few times, and I thought there were there were points where you were looking like pretty good. Yeah, uh, there were points where you were definitely in it. So I think you're maybe underselling how close the game was, but I, I think yeah. you did pretty well out of it, especially to be in a position to like basically draw. Yeah, it's. I think it definitely there are a couple of points where it was close, but you know, like. There are some things that are always down to dice rolls, whether it's that yeah. you're sort of hoping it doesn't go quite as well as it should, or that it goes better yeah. than it should, and yeah, these things happen. So, but it was a fun game though, like for being obviously quite a competitive player with like quite a skewed list and was still a very fun opponent. So, mm. no complaints. How did the rest of the team do? Quickly, so we all lost. Oh, we all lost. Okay, that's nice lost. and easy. So, so I guess the. The key takeaway from this round is that so as part of the scoring, so there's 20 points available on each table, but there's a cap basically to stop situations like this happening where one team stomps another team very early on and maybe just runs away with an unassailable score. So no team in any given round can score more than 90 tournament points and no team can score less than 30. So very the very important thing this round was we scored 31 points as a team, so we didn't get capped. I was that, very proud of this. I was, yeah. proud of us too. I was proud of us too. That is relatively important. So the first tiebreaker in the tournament was uncapped score. So in events where, you know, if we were in a position where we're tying score with a, another low B team, if they got capped and, and we never were, then that would work in our favour overall. So yeah. I, was, yeah. I was relatively happy with that outcome. Yeah, I think in both previous brotherhoods we've been to, we've been capped in multiple rounds. Mm. So I think we've had matchups against teams like this before, where we've got like two tournament points out of it before the cap has come into play. So yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty pleased with this, to be honest. Yeah. Into round two. Into round two. So round two, we were like, okay, so we've lost. We've gone downstairs. That's fine. We could start playing against some some other noobs, and we can have some fun games. What happened was we were matched into the people who won the last Brotherhood, who had also just lost their first round. This is Bruce Hammer thirteen, so a bit of a, a sneaky s- sneaky second round here, where we again playing probably a tougher team than we deserved, but. That's sometimes just how the Swiss falls, right? You have uh, you get a bad round one draw, someone else gets a bad yeah. round draw, and yeah. I mean, last uh, first brotherhood, something sort of similar happened to us, where we just mm. scraped a win by like one point against was it against Fact, I think. Yeah, who are still kicking about in various incarnations, and then we after some sort of matchup jiggling ended up matched into bad dice and just got completely yeah. pummeled. So but at least in that situation you've won a game to start with. Yeah. Yeah. So there's 
you know, another like potentially rough round. But I thought we had more of a chance this time looking at their lists. Um, I wasn't super familiar with the players for this team. Well, I didn't really know them at all. And then someone said they won the last time. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. So I guess the draft with this one, we played it slightly differently. So the first... So the, I guess the other thing we should say about the drafting was the way it worked was every round there were three battle plans and the order that you drafted the matchups was the you were drafting to specific battle plans. So you knew in advance what you were going into. And we tended... So we did the thing where you have the big spreadsheet of enemy matchups who players thought they were good or bad into. But because we don't really know what we're doing with that, we also largely went by what players were good into in, for the battle plans. That yeah. was kind of our number one thing. And then after that, we looked at the individual matchups. And so for this time, we couldn't do the usual thing of leading with Laura because the first map was, was Towers in the Tundra, which is maybe yeah. not so good for Gargans. Yeah, it's kind of... It, a lot of the scoring in it comes from the end of the game, but mm. quite often the Gargants are all dead. <laughs> so... For this one, we led with Zach's Gits instead because they have quite a good long game. They've got quite a good like, tail on that army because they come back and there's lots of wounds and you know they're very tanky. So we led with him. I sort of black out at this point and then we somehow ended up in a situation where the choice was me or Luke's Head Knights into King Brod's Stomp on the matchup, on the map that reduces all weapon ranges to t- max 12 inches and we were both <laughs> shooting armies as that, that seemed like a like, I sort of played I think I I drafted myself here that was like a, a end point disaster it's the worst thing that could have happened in the draft so, uh, so we somehow engineered that happening and that was <laughs> this round ended up being relative like uh, closer than the last one right so and closer than expected I think, not, overall yeah yeah, had I not fucked that up quite so badly, I think we could have done a lot better. So I think I engineered two abysmal matchups out of that happening, like really bad. But that is what ended up happening. <laughs> so that's we just sort of what can happen. Is I do find with drafting, you can just like find yourself in situations where you're looking at a choice and you're like, there is no good option here, actually. Yeah, like yeah. loads of different factors, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes you're thinking about scenario and you fail to think about what am I going to put out first in the next round, and that's easily done. Also, think of the teams there. Like looking at the lists, we probably as a team had the worst lists going in. It's like the weakest yeah. selection of yeah. of armies overall. Like we had some good armies, but we also had like a a few that like no one else was running right. Like. So yourself, the Iron Jaws have quite a few tough matchups. They've got some really good ones, but they've got some really bad ones, and that's quite hard to play yeah. around. Whereas a lot of the armies you do see, like Gargan Cities, Sylvan F, they're kind of all-rounders, I think. Yeah. It was something we talked about before when I think people were talking about in the lead-up, like, oh, you can bust me into this. And I was saying, I don't think you need to bust people in AOS anymore. But that, again, is, I think, army-dependent, where like some yeah. armies can't be bust. But some, some still can, yeah. And I'm playing one of them as well, right? It's not a criticism of the other players. My The only I was playing was super fragile to matchups. But, yeah, this is a situation we put ourselves in. But it makes drafting a lot harder. But anyway, yeah, how did your guys' games go? 
I can cover mine really quickly, I think. I was playing against Colin, who was really fun. He was playing Soul Blight Legion of Blood, so Man After My Own Heart, really like Legion of Blood. He had something that probably didn't look a million miles away from what I might start considering sort of building as a Soul Blight army. And we were playing on limited resources, which is the one that I can't remember at all. It's like three objectives in the along the middle of the table and you can take other people's CP away. Oh, we no, didn't. isn't it the one where you can only hold an objective for two turns and then you can't yes, support it anymore? Yes, yeah, it's oh, objectives okay. burn out, which was possibly significant. Um, <laughs> in fact, it was for reasons, honestly. So his list was like Nefa Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon with the Cloak of Mist and Shadows, classic. So Ethereal Zombie Dragon Vampire Lord on three up. Um, and 30 skeletons, 10 skeletons, two units of 10 dogs, two vampire lords. That might be it. It's, it's quite a... It's not weak. It's not like a weedy list, but you know, you've got basically two big threat pieces and then lots mm-hmm. of sort of units that can recycle but aren't particularly scary. The skeletons but, are quite resilient due to how they end up working, but Yes. We had a bit of confusion around there there were like two bits of rules confusion in this game, of which was I had to Collins had this army for a long time, I got the impression. And I think skeletons used to work differently, so yeah, he was under the impression that the skeletons regen like when they pile in and fight, and it's actually at the start of the combat phase. Yes, um, that is which, a as change, he said yeah. himself, he was like, "Oh my god, this is way better like this because now we don't have to think about order of operations." <laughs> and then there was also we had the classic delving into the Age of Sigma rules text to point out that if someone has an objective, it can't ever go back to like equally contested, so no one gets points on it. You have to take it off of someone. Mm-hmm. I think that was in this game. Um, yeah, I think it was, yeah. Anyway, refund game. Great. Had a great time. I, I learned my lesson I gave away first turn. The kind of short answer to this game is I spent a whole game trying to kill an ethereal zombie dragon, and I probably put about 25 wounds into it, and it probably ended the game with about three wounds taken. Uh, because it's so good at healing. I did kill a load of his chaff. I sort of ignored Neferata for as long as possible. I think I played kind of like, I could see the way it was going, but played quite tactically. The difference here is I scored my first four battle tactics and then just had nothing left in turn five to score that last battle tactic. Colin, I denied him magical dominance in turn one. Sort of similar to what you were suggesting, Chim. Mm. I, I think I actually, he went, oh, your wizard's out of range. And then I did heroic willpower with the more crusher that's like sat in the middle with its huge base being in range of things. So I managed to get an unbind on him and deny that. But then he scored his other four. And in our, our objectives also burn out by turn five. So turn five, we had nothing left. In the first four turns, he scored three, 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 three. And I scored two, three, three, three. And we both got our grand strategies, so we ended up on a 23 to 22 to Colin. And that was because, like, in theory, the hot tech in in this map is, like, don't be on objectives at the start. Yeah. And I then had to make a bit of a decision on, like, do I take one to get them more, or do I leave it just having two and, like, trying to s- slow how quickly they burn out, so... I opted for the latter, and it ended up costing me the game by a point. Oh, 
That's not to say, you know, obviously, had our scores been slightly different, maybe Colin would have done something slightly different. So it's not like a guarantee. Got basically really unlucky with the Maw Crusher. I could have killed a zombie dragon turn one, but I only got two of his destroyer attacks through. I opted not to war because it was ethereal, which I think I stand by. Because it would have made a difference. But yeah, he, he got lucky on the saves. And then remained lucky on the saves. I think I would have had to get two claw attacks through out of eight, which isn't unreasonable when it's like hitting on twos. I think I might have even finest houred it at that point. So it was wounding on twos, just like I have to kill this thing. And I just didn't kill it. And I think if I had, that would have made a huge, huge swing. But then I didn't. And then I just kept fighting it, which was stupid. But, you know, it ended really close. So I think that made it an 11-9 victory to them. So... Pretty rookie though. Mm. Kill the big thing, right? Like, yeah. Someone else. I, that was my game. Yeah, that's a good battle plan, though. I, I do enjoy that one. It's the hardest to play in this pack, but I think it is a really good game. Yeah, I can go. So I was playing Craig with fleshy courts. So he had sort of he had a crypt flare and horror heavy list. So he. So had we should say this two... is new feck, right? So, oh, yeah, yes. that was new So fact. the tournament was allowing new feck, but only the models that were released. Nope, nope, all I of think. it. All of it was allowed. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Okay. There well, was I don't a think proxy or Shoran somewhere, yeah. Was there really? Yeah, there was. I did not notice that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so he had two abhorrent archregents, an infernal courtier and a Vargulf courtier for his heroes. He had two units of 20 ghouls, and then he had two units of six crypt flares and a unit of nine crypt horrors. Nice. Um, we were playing on, I think, Frigid Zephyr. It's a scenario where you can't see over 12 inches at the start of the game. And in fact, in this case, it lasted for most of the game. It wasn't massively impactful. Most of the time, his stuff that wanted to shoot and indeed my stuff that wanted to shoot could. The thing that was probably most impactful was it meant his models couldn't fly, which was occasionally yeah. slightly limiting, but I don't think it made a massive amount of difference on balance. And broadly, what his list wants to do is bring stuff back. So the way feck work is that now is that their heroes accumulate noble deed points by doing things like casting spells or prayers or having a fight, and then they can spend noble deed points to bring models back. And the specifics of his list means that he can quite easily bring back the horrors and the crypt flares. Mm. So the list is kind of set up to just continuously sort of recur and bring stuff back again. So it was kind of a case of... It can't do it forever. It can just recycle units once, right? It can recycle a unit once half the strength, but it can then bring individual models back to bring that unit up to full strength again. So if you don't wipe a unit, it's very easy to bring stuff back. Um, And when you do wipe a unit, it's pretty, it's coming back effectively at full strength for a second time. So it's got a lot that it can do. Two things with that is it's the only army in the game that can do that. So when Soul Blight recycle units, they are capped at their half strength. For the rest of the game. And the other thing is you can use that recycling because you have to bring them back more than 9 inches from enemy units but you can bring models back to be closer than 9. So yeah. you can there's there's lots of cheeky stuff you can do with that book. So yeah, broadly this game was about you know, I could easily outscore him on objectives while my gargants were alive but and I have a lot of wounds but when I take wounds 
there's very limited options for me to do any kind of healing, whereas his stuff is going to come back. So it was kind of, could I outscore him before he killed my stuff? And the answer was, it was very close. Mm -hmm. So I think I gave him the turn. He did a little bit of damage with shooting. I think generally, we had a bit of discussion about crit flares because people, I think, are generally not rating them. My sense was they they were pretty decent. Like They're quite tanky. They do some damage with shooting. They do some damage in combat. They were never amazing. But when you can quite easily bring them back again, they seemed perfectly decent. They were I okay. Would say. Yeah, that's my yeah my feeling. On so it. then I got my first experience of stuff coming back. So I think I charged in, killed. I think I probably killed a unit of ghouls, or good as killed a unit of ghouls, killed most of a unit of crypt flares, and then on his turn they just all came back again. It was like this is how this game is going to go. <laughs> so yeah, it was really very much a story of you know me scoring heavily on the on objectives for the first few turns, but he was sort of gradually whittling down all my Mega Gargants. So I think in particular, I managed to kill his unit of nine horrors, and they were off the board for a turn, and then they came back, and then he brought them back up to nine again. I was like, hmm, I don't think I'm going to kill these a second time. Um, so the Mega Gargants got sort of whittled down over a few turns. I think I played it reasonably well. I didn't let him sort of focus everything in on one Mega, so they were kind of all taking damage but all being around and standing mm-hmm. on points and things so i heavily outscored him for the first three turns helped by he failed magical dominance turn one because i think he set his wizards up out of range of my one who could unbind but not out of range of one of the others so i was able to use heroic willpower to give it an unbind and then he miscast he had absolutely terrible dice for his magic so one of his arch regents miscast two turns in a row quite funny <laughs> But yes, he had he had super swingy dice in this game, so there were just like times when he would roll twenty dice and you'd look at them and go, There's a really implausible number of ones and twos in this mix. But yeah, eventually obviously my Mega Gargants did die, so I think for the last couple of rounds I had one man crusher running around at the back of the board trying to score my grand strategy, which I did remember existed in this game and did score in this game. Um so it ended up with a being twenty twenty one to Craig. So I also lost by uh. one point. It was a really fun game. I wonder if the main thing I wonder is whether I could have stayed out of combat for longer and thus preserved my gargants. But I think mm. it's tricky because his stuff is all better on the charge. So there's yeah, a kind of risk that is, if I stay yeah. away when he charges in, he just murders a gargant. Whereas if I'm tagging stuff in combat and I'm, you know, affecting where I limit his sort of ability to move stuff around and thus focus in on a gargant, and I mean that he can't, I, I want to be charging him because I do more damage on the charge and I don't want him to be charging me because he does more damage on the charge. So gargants do impact hits, which is why it's advantageous for me to be charging. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I played it reasonably well. It was just, it was a really interesting game where we were just both had very different armies and Craig was a good opponent who, uh, did not get too salty when his wizard miscast twice in a row, which was <laughs> good. Uh, yeah. So yeah, fun game. Nice. Two really close games. So I was playing Ryan Dell, also on the fridge of the Zephyr. He was playing King Brod Stomp. He had, so the list I think Laura would like, so it was Brod, two Gatebreakers, and three Man Crushers. Which is... Yeah, there's this slightly unusual version of the list. It's good. I think I can definitely see the reason why you take this instead of the four muggers. I can see the reason why. Yeah, so like I said before, it's a horrific battle plan for me. So the reason 
it was either going to be me or Luke's head and I was playing on this. And the reason I chose myself, one, was so that Luke wouldn't have to play it. And two, because my army is faster, I can get into position to be within 12 inches. The problem is that then I am within 12 inches. <laughs> so that was sort of the issue I had. I, I still think it was a better choice for me to take it than Luke. But maybe not. I don't know. It's a hard one. It's also quite a good battle plan for Gargans. I think cause there's only three objectives. So there's one that he held for f- four battle rounds of this game because my army just wasn't there. But yeah, so I, I made this more difficult for myself than I need to. Especially, again, Brod Stomp as well. He could just put... So he basically put Brod and another Mega sat next to Brod on the middle objective two man crushes on one far away from my army and on the one closer to my army he put his other mega and one other man crusher so he could later in the game score surround and destroy so he's set up for it in advance and then was basically doing what you said right i'm gonna sit here and score and can you stop me and yeah i went relatively well early on i took the gatebreaker and the man crusher on my flank down in like turn one. Yeah, you've definitely got the damage to take yeah. down gardens for sure. So I, t- I took that down really quickly, and then, but because of how he'd set up and how I had to commit to do that, I scored, I think one point that turn. So I, I think I think I failed by battle tactic as well. Maybe double check. Oh, you know, it doesn't matter. I think I scored one point that turn. It was really bad. I, I, I like, held one, and he'd scored five. There's no real catch-up mechanic on this battle plan, so I was just like, oh, God. Like, <laughs> I find with this army, generally, I'm playing catch-up. That's one of its weaknesses, is sharks are not good at objective play, because they are two models. They count as two models on each objective, and I only have six of them. So... There's not much in the army that is is can capture objectives really at all, and that that was a struggle I had all weekend. But it's it's particularly acute into gargans because I just have to fully kill them. There's no point where I whittle them down enough I can outscore. They just have to be dead. So what ended up happening after that? So I I secured that one part of the board to then push out from, which I did. I got the priority and basically lined it all up three inches away from Broad who then rolled a six on his redeploy. So the big turn I was going to do going into him, I think I maybe got two. Maybe the turtle and like a shark or something. It was really not that much. We'd still got all my shooting in because I was so close, but Brod in this setup is 40 wounds with a five plus ward. It's just... So I didn't kill him this game. I came really close. And had I had he not rolled the six on that redeploy, he he would have been toast that turn. And I still had another Mega Gargan to deal with, but that that would have swung the momentum of that game massively. And he knew that as well, right? He was banking on that redeploy. Because I still had... That would have been the eels going in, like full zaps, full everything. Like I had lined up. I don't think I'd lost a shark at that point. So they're all lined up. The king was lined up. I had it ready to go with a high tide. Power. That didn't happen. So he, 
What ends up happening is that we sort of scrapped it out around there. He outscored me on the primary for four out of the five battle rounds, but he dropped three battle tactics. He didn't have that many he could do to begin with with that army, and he just failed a lot of them. He was trying to do... He was trying to do, like, into the maelstrom, and he was failing the charges, and just, again, because I got a big redeploy on him, which was fun, and justice. Yeah. <laughs> Into the Maelstrom is tough against your army as well because the chances are if you fight something if you fight a shark you're probably going to kill it yeah. and then you're not in combat anymore yeah. He's charging a man crusher into a shark which he probably doesn't kill it but yeah it's Maybe a the shark kills the man crusher in that scenario <laughs> uh, Yes and so I think he got one in and it did kill him in, in return but yeah it's a tough one so he he did really badly with his battle tactics so actually the score was quite close despite the fact he was crushing me on a primary and he also could not score his grand strat and could but could not stop me getting a mine so i had a really cheesy one so my grand strat was don't have any enemy bulls within three inches of the boat and because my particular army build does not interact with the boat as a scenery piece i put it in the fucking corner of the board yeah <laughs> So that I don't think anyone stopped me scoring that. Maybe in game one we math, we mathed out that he would be able to get a steam tank on it. I think that's probably the end time. So whilst that happened, the score was really close. I had this like wild plan where I could have won the game. Going into battle round five, I was going second, so I had two casts on the Tidecaster. And he had an open objective because he'd run his man crushers off it to go and fight something. So he had a completely open objective. So there was basically a way I could have teleported her onto that objective to score one, two more. Should have been the first time I'd have done that all game. And then use the second cast as on an arcane bolt to then whittle a man crusher down to hopefully one wounds with shooting. Oh. And then bolt oh. it. Because she could teleport to me with on the objective and 12 inches away from that man crusher. Over a magical so mayhem. There was a, there, that's the only play I had was magical mayhem and that, and she failed to cast Bolt. She got the teleport. So that was a... So if that had gone off, I'd have got that battle tactic. We'd have drawn on points and I'd have won on battle tactics. Oh. Minor win. But as it was, so it was a 17-19 in VP in the end. So again, an insanely close game. And I think... That's definitely a game where, had we been on another battle plan, I think I'd have won that. Yeah. Just because I could have been sat 24 inches away from those gargants and in my first turn, <laughs> and I could have just shot them to bits. Yeah. But as it was, I couldn't. I had to commit. So, yeah, that made it a lot harder. And again, it's like, if that 6-inch redeploy is a 3-inch redeploy, that game's completely different. But... That is Warhammer Regis's my sometimes sometimes someone rolls a dice and that's it. <laughs> yes. Echo echoes of our game at Blackout last year. Just, yeah. just fails to roll two dice at the end of the game and lose the game. <laughs> so for the rest of the team, I think Zach got a minor win on this yeah. one and the others lost. Yes. Yeah. So that we lost Bert by less than in the first round. It was a really close round, I think. Uh, yeah. I think we got 43 on this round. Hmm. Very respectable. Which, against last year's winners. Yeah. Pretty pretty good, I think. Not too bad. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, like well, we need if to yours... hurry up a bit because we've been going for ages with the two fifths of the two race. Sorry, this tournament. Go. Round three, round three, let's go. Round three, we were against the beasts from the east, so we'd been knocked fairly far down at this point. I think we were near the bottom of the pack. So the beasts from the east, they they were there to have fun, and what they did was they outdrafted us with the power of random chance. So instead of <laughs> drafting, what they had was a wheel that they spun, and that decided what armies they played. And it just turns out that it's just impossible to draft against. So, so we, we were just doing stuff. We were putting armies down, they were spinning a wheel. And I really doubt you interact with that. It was fun. This they had a fun f- vibe, this team. Yeah. They they were by far the drunkest team we played, all of them, I would say. So not not too much to say on the draft on that one. It all happened, I guess. I can be really quick this round if you want me to be. Get for it. Okay, so I was playing against John Lee on Lines of Communication. He was playing Disciples of Zinch. And he was playing Host Duplicitous, which is the one where I think you can't retreat from them if they have more than 10 models. And he had a Magister, a Gaunt Summoner, the little horror hero on foot. I can't remember what it's called. A Change something. Yeah, that guy. Change Caster. Yeah. He had three units of ten horrors, ten Zangor, Portal, Cogs, and the Zinch book that's the uh, Zinch Endless Spell that's the book with eyes. It didn't do anything. I don't really know where he took it, but uh, he had it. I think it gives him another cast or something. So his plan here was to just summon horrors, basically, and then just stand on circles. Lines of communication is quite a good battle plan for that because all the circles are in the middle of the board where he wants to stand. Um, so this game basically is how how quickly can I kill horrors? I, I, the answer to that was not what he was expecting. So I <laughs> gave him first turn, which is probably what his army wants anyway. So he just put one block of ten horrors on each objective. Not sure that's the way you do it. Because there's three objectives and it's one, two more. So maybe you put two units of horrors on one of the objectives and just refuse one of the flanks. I don't know. Because basically that just lets me engage them completely perfectly, however I like. Spoiler alert. So he <laughs> did that, cast some spells, pushed horrors onto each objective. He was out of range to shoot me anyway, so that's all he did. Scored his five points. I then pushed. A bunch of sharks up on one flank. Played it relatively gagey, so I don't think I scored huge this turn. But four, four sharks into one of the units of horrors, and the one made a big charge and got into the hero as well. And I killed thirty-six odd horrors just in on that initial go in. So I didn't, I didn't score big points, but that like that flank was basically fucked at that point like there was no real recourse for him to that yeah. he then got no so this uh, this turn i got the double so the the joyous thing happens where you give your opponent first and then you get the double i then got the double and just pushed the whole army in basically i killed those remaining horrors i killed the other 10 block in the middle and got into a bunch of other things I think I maybe killed... Oh, he had another little hero as well. He had the the 
one that can steal your weapons. I cannot remember oh, what it's called. The, the... Um, Kersling. Kersling? No. Changeling? Changeling, yes. He had the Changeling, and I think I killed that. And then at that point, I was then stood on two of the circles in a way he couldn't really combat, because I had loads of sharks on one, and the unit of eels, and the turtle on the other, which is just not shifting beyond like a bonkers magic phase. And what he had was not a bonkers magic phase, so he he was doing the thing where you have like re-rolls to cast from cogs, I think gives you re-rolls. Something gave him re-rolls. And yeah, he cast a, cast a spell, didn't like the result. He kind of kept on forgetting about his summoning dice. He was super drunk, I should point out. I mean, this... I feel like it's worth noting that at one point his team refused to let him cast a spell until he downed his pint. Yes. Uh, so he may not have been making the greatest decisions at times. I, but... I, <laughs> the the game lasted two full battle rounds. Well, we got through battle round three, but he had four points at that point during the game. Wow. <laughs> Solid effort. So his turn, he... He tried to cast with the Gauntlet's three or four forecast Gauntlet Summoner, I think it was, because he was going second. Forecast Gauntlet Summoner, first spell, fail the cast, re-roll it, miscast. And then he did, like, a bolt into the turtle. Couldn't do anything with the rest of his army. And then I got the prior again on high tide and just went into everything else and killed it. Apart from the Gauntlet Summoner, who he remembered Destiny Dice existed, and he used them all to save his Gauntlet Summoner. Who, this is then when he tried to cast Blizzard on the turtle. So he had two wounds left on his Gaunt Summoner, and he cast Blizzard, and he got it off after downing his pint, and did like 11 mortal wounds to the turtle, but rolled two ones for damage and killed himself, and that was the game. Oh dear. <laughs> so and I, used, I still had battle tactics and stuff to score, so it was like a 23-9 in the end. It's just like, I'm fucking beat down. But I think one of his mates came over at one point and moaned about the concept of the double turn. I was like, ah, okay, we're playing this team. But I give this guy my favourite game vote because it was a fucking blast. He was drunk as shit. Oh, I yeah. think I might have given them my, my favourite game vote as well, actually. We we found him later in that day, stood by the Old World display, and he was pretending to do a line of coke off of a Tomb King's box. And then he looked around at us watching him and he went, I'm not normally like this. And then pretended <laughs> to do another line off the Tomb King's box. So. And then he went and bought it. So and Then he went and bought it, yeah. Yeah. He did have, they were stood by the entrance when I arrived the next day, because we'd been chatting, I just turned up to say hello, and he did have a vague look of regret on his face, whether that was about the £150 purchase whilst drunk or just the drinking, I'm not sure. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I also believe they went out and did karaoke after, so I think they had a good Ah, time. Yeah, they had a good time. Um, Laura, do you want to go? Yeah, sure. So I was playing Chris with Daughters of Cain. So he had Marathi and a Melusai Iron Scale and 10 Blood Sisters, which are the Fighty Snakes, and 15 Blood Stalkers, which are the Shooty Snakes. The required two units of Kinnerai to score a battle tactic and 10 Rich Elves. This is not a great matchup for me because it's very killy. Like Marathi and both snakes put out loads of damage and can easily kill a Gargant a turn. I think we picked this one for you because we thought it was good for you. <laughs> I feel like I said I don't want to play Daughters of Cain. Um, I, th- I think what happened was Chris thought you'd played Docker Load and was like, yeah, it's good for her. Yeah. Let's go for no, it. No, that's true. I have played Docker Load, but because of that, I know this is not a good matchup for me. <laughs> so the, broadly what it does is Marathi 
has a command ability, I think, that can let a unit fight in the hero phase. So the 15 bow snakes shoot you in the hero phase, and then they shoot you again in the shooting phase, and that pretty much half kills a gargant. And then Marathi, if she rolls hot, can kill a gargant by herself in a turn, because she's got loads of rend. Um, you mean the Shadow Queen? Yeah, and also... Sorry, I have to do that, or Chris will be mad. <laughs> yeah, if I get gargants into the stuff, I can kill it. But... It, yeah, it's very killy, so it definitely has the damage to take down a Gargant Return, which is what it needs to be doing. If you're playing Fountains of Frost, which is a six-objective scenario, which is broadly fine for me, I think. I probably prefer ones with fewer objectives, but it's not terrible. Um, so what happened in this game was that I forgot about my grand strategy on turn one again, and then I just had a, I just made a series of very bad decisions. So I forgot to run a Gargant in the movement phase. I got to the shooting phase, rolled the dice on a shooting attack, and went, I forgot my grand strategy because I'm an idiot. My opponent very kindly said, do you want to take it back? And I said, no, I've rolled dice. I think I'll feel bad about it. And then later in the game, my opponent was in a very similar position where he had forgotten to do something in the hero phase, moved some stuff in the movement phase, said, do you mind if I take it back? And I said, of course, take it back. I'm just like, why did I do this to myself? Why did I impose a higher standard on myself than I did on my opponent for absolutely no reason? I don't know. We should, I should have just had the conversation and said, how are we going to handle take backs? And it would have been fine. But you instead, I just decided to be a complete idiot. So, you know. What I do now is I don't, I don't ask for them, but if my opponent offers me, I will take it. Yeah, I should have taken it. it Okay, sure. Fortunately, I don't actually think it mattered, because I figured out after the game, actually, on turn five, my one remaining Gargant, spoilers, was locked in combat, and thus I would not have got the grand strategy anyway, so it didn't affect the outcome, but it it was just me being daft. Um, So what actually happened in the game, I think for the first, not a lot happened on turn one. We sort of moved toward each other. He shot me a bit and probably took a gargant down to about half wounds, I should think. Then he doubled me into two. I think this is a bit where if I'd got turn two, I'd probably have killed some snakes before they got into me and it would have been better. But as it is, I think he almost completely killed, no, he did kill my Kraken Eater. He, there was a moment when it looked like he was going to get Marathi into two Gargants, Mega Gargants, which is terrible because Marathi can only take three wounds a turn no matter what is fighting her. But there is a Mega Gargant monstrous rampage where you can pick a monster up and sort of move them round so they're still in combat with you, but they're somewhere else. So I picked Marathi up with my nearly dead Mega Gargant and moved her so she couldn't fight the not nearly dead <laughs> Mega Gargant, which was a play I was quite happy with. So I think, yeah, so he absolutely murdered my Kraken Eater and put quite a lot of damage on my War Stomper, but my War Stomper did take out his unit of fighty snakes. The War Stomper had a really good day and in this game and killed a lot of stuff. Then, so Marathi at this point was in my territory and all the rest of his army was back in his, so then all my Gargants ran away from Marathi and towards him, towards his other stuff. I had a turn where I was trying to charge everything into the Bow Snakes, and I think only some of them got in, so I killed quite a lot of Bow Snakes, but not all of them. And then... Broadly, it ended up with a world where he, I had my Gatebreaker left, he had Marathi and some scattered bits of other stuff left, um, but I just didn't have enough stuff to score Battle Tactics again, uh, so I had, there was a bit when I could, if I'd managed to kill Marathi with a, by throwing a rock at her, I would have scored a Gargant battle tactic called Splat and tied the game, which would have been very fun. But I didn't. I failed to throw a rock. So I think I did eventually take out Marathi on the final turn of the game. 
but I just hadn't scored enough on Battle Tactics at this point, and I lost by two points. So it was close. I think I did probably about as... I did better than I perhaps expected into that matchup. I think he potentially made some mistakes. He didn't try and cast Mindraiser once in the entire game, which is the only time I have played a Daughters of Cain player who did not try to cast Mindraiser, which I don't know if he had reasons for doing that, but I was surprised at this decision, mm. it's fair to say. Um, but I think he probably underestimated just how much damage Gargants were going to do to the snakes if they were in combat with them and alive, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and he didn't use, he didn't make much use of little Marathi. I think, you know, if you're going to have big Marathi in combat, you can sort of also throw little Marathi in to yeah. fight as well. And yeah, she didn't she's do that. She was hiding at the back most of the time. Um, but yeah, I, this is probably the game that I think, Maybe if I'd played it differently, there were ways I could have scraped a few more points out of it and got a draw or even a win. But as it was, I lost by two. But it was a fun game. And yeah, it probably went slightly better than I perhaps expected going into it. So nice. could have been worse. Nice. Vindicated. How about you, Rich? <laughs> cool. So I was playing Team Captain Nikki, who brought along one of my platonic ideals of an army, which is the fleshy Accords Gristlegore Monster Mash. So... Uh, a, a ghoul king each on terrorgeist and zombie dragon and then two more terrorgeists and zombie dragons battle line and then general as a little arch regent who just sits on the throne at the back and does nothing uh, but has the ability to bring one of the battle line monsters back onto a board edge per game which is pretty good when it costs like 300 points each um, yeah it's good and then it was so it was all stacked around that. I think he also had the trait that when that happened, also let the monster make a d6 inch move, which it normally wouldn't as well. This nearly went so well for me. <laughs> I just a couple of points like forgot that zombie dragons are really good at shooting or or like gambled on all right. They're they have they're really classic, swingy. They have the classic issue if they have d6 attacks. And uh, let me tell you, if you are charging one of them, what you don't want your opponent to do is roll a six for the number of attacks. Um, yeah, so I got smart. I gave Nikki turn one. We were playing the one where you count as one extra model if you charge and you can't hold objects in you if you retreat. So it's sort of like functionally irrelevant, this game, for the most part. Um, every step is forward. Every step is forward, thank you. So... Nicky went first, sort of shuffled his monsters forward a little bit. I was like, right, okay, let's just have a big turn straight away. So I think I correctly identified that basically what you do against this is you just try and kill the two characters, the two character dragons. And then once they're off, you try and get around the other ones and kill the arch region, and then you kill the other three. Because that stops one coming back on from board edge. Without the two characters, there's nothing there to command the battle line beasts as well and you get rid of any potential auras they're building up with chivalry points this sort of went okay for the most part but a couple of things just upset me a little bit so i set up sort of classic setup at this point to go for magical dominance what i've started doing is basically just putting the wizard right at the back and putting a unit with him in this case the pigs because i thought impact mortal like i just sort of wanted all the extra damage i could so i moved the war crusher all the way up on one side towards his terror guys character 
and I sort of ran and gave a 3d6 inch charge to the Ragers, ran the other way towards the other character, and they were also, both of those things were buffed up on damage as well. And I teleported the pigs forward to nine inches away from, like, the third dragon in a line. Um, and then I charged them all in. The Crusher got in handily and sort of spun around a bit. The Ragers, well, so the pigs went next and, like, failed their rerolled charge, which is, that's like 50% overall-ish chance, so that was a gamble. But I really wanted them to get in because they could primarily hit one of the terror geists, but tag the other character, Zombie Dragon, as well, which basically meant he would have had to put the all out, sorry, the Unleash Hell into them. And because they didn't get that, the Rages then went into the other character, Zombie Dragon, um, to which he unleashed Hell, and he killed four of the six Rages on the Unleash Hell. Um, they did do some damage to him. The mega boss on Crusher absolutely crumped the terror ghosts. Yeah, not that tough. No, they're really not. Even though I think it was stacked up to like a two-up save as well, with he might have had finest hour and all-out defense or something on it. Um, or he might have one spell or something that was affecting it as well. Um, this anyway, despite some debuffs, I think right, I played pretty cleverly and killed that and then started focusing the other stuff down. It just didn't quite get there, basically. So in return, unfortunately, I then didn't get the double. And I think, again, if I got the double here, the game just like ended turn two, basically, because mm. then the unit of pigs does get in. The rage has become backed up by the full unit of brutes. You even chuck the odd boys in there, and on the charge, they can do quite a lot of damage. Um, so probably would have killed the other character and at least one or two of the other ghosts. But as it was, Nikki got the double and I think killed all of the pigs, the remaining rages, and the more crusher. At which point I'm then sort of like clinging on for dear life. I did kill another one. I think I killed another two terror ghosts, or like a terror ghost and a zombie dragon, of which one came back on the board edge. But at this point, like scoring got away from me. So you can kind of see the flow of the game. Like my primary scoring goes three, two, two, one, zero. Whereas Nikki's goes like three, one, where there's like one turn where all my stuff is in his face. And then back three, three, three. <laughs> and he got all of his battle tactics and his grand strat as well. So he got the platonically ideal 26 maximum points from a scenario. And I got 14 in the end. So that was quite a big swing. That was like a 73 yeah. or something, I think. It's quite a classic Iron Jaws scenario, is it? Where like there's kind of a hinge turn and they just run out of steam quite quickly. Basically, you've got to go second to get a double turn. That's how you win with them, I'm starting to conclude. Although not always. <laughs> That's maybe a future game. We'll Sounds like it was a fun game. It was a fun game. He was a really fun opponent. Nicky is, to his credit, he said he doesn't play very often anymore, but he is a very good player in his games this weekend, which isn't always the, the best metric. I, know. I think he went 4-1, and one, but he said, like, usually when he goes to a tournament, he is going 4-1 a lot of the time. So, you know, although as a team, they were clearly there to have fun, some good players amongst them, and he was one of them. So, Maybe yeah, he was a really fun game, a great opponent. I would love to play him again. So. Can't call the podcast for a while, Sue. So, other people on the team, I think Zach won and Luke won. Yes. And Chris lost, I'm going to say. Yeah. So we won three games and lost three games. Yes. 
So I think yeah. we we drew a number of games and we would just slightly edged it on our wins were bigger. Yeah, we won we won the round. Sixty one to fifty nine. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're not you weren't I suppose we should add you weren't scored at this event on actually winning rounds. It was purely your or battle points, yeah. Your capped battles of scores, tournament points, but it's a good metric of how it's going to say, like, you've won or lost the round, I think. And obviously, you're not going to get to the top without winning most of your rounds. So, yeah. Yeah. So, that um, was the end of day one. That was the end of day one. We ate square pizzas. This 27% more pizza. The tradition two times in a row. Yeah. The, you discovered not... the concept of ice cream fridges. Yeah. Oh, no. The ice cream fridge it's probably won't. <laughs> Bore you within jokes. They're actually not great pizzas, but when it's like half nine, you just need to like put hot cheese. It's half in nine, and you want a pizza for like seven pounds. It's quite yeah, good. yeah. Um. I just realised that before we started talking about pizza, pizza, we should update on Luke's event recap. <laughs> oh yeah, go for it. So we left this where he decided he was going to take head nights of Slanesh. So he continues. I was quite bummed out over winter and dutifully painted up 16 of the most detailed miniatures Games Workshop sells so that I could put them down and then pick them back up again. Thankfully, going to Brotherhood with my pals always ends up being a highlight of the year, so even after matching into Team Wales and getting consummately beaten by a 13-year-old boy, who I hasten to add was a very good player, <laughs> piloting Trug's Trog Herd, I felt okay. Our loss sent us downstairs to the lower tables where we remained all tournament. Spoilers. I forgot we paired him up into the child. Yeah. It was very good. <laughs> Piloted that trog herd like yeah, you wouldn't believe. Um, yeah. Pilots itself, isn't it? And anyway. <laughs> Round four. We were playing against Team Stupid Sexy. This was the bottomest table in the event. The ugliest tables. The green mats. Yes. Oh, yeah. All the other tables had really nice battle mats. Banished to flock Table 11 did not. <laughs> These were bad. These were rough. I, I have yeah. a specific thought about this because of what happened in my game. Oh, no. Did the map move? <laughs> no. No, it's oh, not okay. that bad. Thank God. So... I didn't make any drafting notes on this one. I think we basically got what we wanted here. They had made no notes and were just going off of vibes. We The only thing we were desperately trying to engineer was there was one other woman apart from Laura at the event, and we wanted to engineer that matchup because we thought you would enjoy that. And we, we got that, we were happy. But otherwise, I think we were broadly fine with everything we got. Yeah, yeah, I was really pleased with that matchup, because I have never played another woman at an Age of Sigmar tournament before, so it was just really nice to have that game. It was it also really is, a really it? good matchup for me. Uh, so <laughs> I was playing Jenny, who was running Ogre More Tribes, which is pretty good. This particular Ogre list was a good matchup for Gargants, and the scenario was Power Flux, which is one where there are... There's four objectives on the board, but only two of them count in any one turn, so the person who goes second chooses which objectives count. It's not always a great scenario for me, because you can get extra points with Wizards but Jenny only had one wizard in her army so it is a pretty good matchup in that situation because it's not super easy for her to get lots of extra points with it and if I kill the wizard I get extra points so in this particular and only having two objectives that you're trying to actually work towards control to get any point is really good for gargants because you can just put lots of gargants on each one 
So she was running a glutton-heavy ogre list, so she had four units of six ogre gluttons, she had three ogre tyrants, she had a fire belly, and she had two iron blasters. I dropped her, so I made her go first, and she basically just trudged ogres up the board, so I picked the objectives that in the middle... It's really hard to describe because all the objectives are in the middle of the board from a particular dimension. The objectives that are outside the player's deployment zones for the ones that are The wide objectives, not the narrow It's meant she had to push right. forward on both flanks, essentially, to get models onto them. And then on my turn, that meant I could just charge my gargants in. So I got two megas into combat. I'm not sure I completely wiped out, but I almost wiped out two units of gluttons. Um, and the gluttons just don't do enough damage really to kill megas like if she got the whole army into a mega it would but because her army was split across the two flanks it meant that i was never really in danger of losing a mega gargant in the sort of early parts of this this is um, a great match unfortunately you, I, I didn't yeah. yeah i didn't get a double turn into two which would have been very nice but i think yeah i, I was just very heavily scoring on primary and stopping her from scoring on primary because I had a mega plonked on each of the objectives and she just couldn't do enough damage to kill them. So it ended up in a pretty straightforward win for me where I was just very steadily killing things. She might have eventually killed one mega. She was certainly, you know, one mega took a decent amount of damage, but I think I ended up tabling her just because I could put out a lot of damage. Ogres don't have good saves and Gargans have good rend and she just wasn't doing able to put out enough damage to be able to take them down. So yeah, it was a really nice game. She was a really nice opponent, but I was just massively advantaged by the combination of the matchup and scenario. Um, one play I did enjoy in this is that there's a Gargant battle tactic that you get if you... The Kraken Eater can kick objectives around the board. And there's a Gargant battle tactic you get if you kick an objective that is wholly outside your territory so that it is wholly inside your territory. So I spent the first half the game kicking an objective slowly, the one that is starts off in my territory, slowly forwards until it was outside my territory, and then <laughs> turned around and kicked it back in, which was fun. Uh, and I think I also scored the splat battle tactic for throwing a rock at the fire belly and killing him. Oh, so yeah, I had fun with Gargan battle tactics this game. Okay. I can do the quickest game of Warhammer Ages of Mar anyone's ever had. Ah. So I was playing against Matt Arnold on Nexus Collapse, which is the one where you move objectives if you're behind on score. He was playing Rich's idealised army. Or one of them. One of the many ones. He was playing Gristlegorfek. This was a different oh, take yeah. on it from your last opponent. So he had an Archregent. He had the Gore Warden the new flying vampire hero. He had a Ghoul King on Zombie Dragon. He had three Zombie Dragons, three Morbeg Knights, and three Crit Flayers. So the gimmick here was slightly different in that it mostly null deployed. So he put the Channel Throne in one corner of the board with the Archregent on it and the Crypt Flayers. And then so after the Archregent's done his stuff, theoretically, the Crypt Flayers can then pick him up and fly him around the board to be where he needs to be, which is cool. Yeah. And then the entire rest of that army can deep strike. Yeah, because the mount trait, the arch reading can, sorry, the gore warden can, the mount trait on the zombie dragon can, and in uh, Zombie that... dragons just can generically. Oh, why did he take the death from the skies mount trait then? Because that specifically lets that character... Is it is it that the character one can't do it without that mount trait, maybe? I'm the... not sure... Royal, the royal ones can, I think, by default. Yeah, anyway, okay. This minutiae doesn't matter. We don't have time for it. Yeah. 
So his the Archivision has a spell which is if he casts it, it's on like a seven. If you cast it, then any unit that gets set up gets an extra d6 inches of movement. So his players who probably here, he sets it all up into the strike, he brings it down, he casts that spell, he makes loads of charges. I set up super defensively, I gave him first turn, I set up in such a way that, because it was Nexus Collapse, if he wanted to come and fight me, he would necessarily have to stand on a load of objectives to do it. So I also, <laughs> probably the funniest play of the weekend, put my Tidecaster out directly in front of my army so she could tank one of the charges, and then also set up the other things that would be tanking the charges were three sharks on either side set up in such a way that any monster that got in would have to fight a shark because of how they would deploy it. He couldn't be within three and not be within two of them. Beyond some like twelve inch monster roll or something, you know, there's not much you can do about that. So he started his turn, he really did magical dominance, couldn't stop that, but he failed to cast his D six inch move spell. Yeah. There's no like there's no casting bonus. Neither of us rolled any primal dice. It's just like he said he'd failed it basically every game so far, and I, it's not a great plan. I think he brought everything down anyway. He still got pretty lucky with it, so he got in the Morbeg Knights charged the Tidecaster, and he got two more dragons in, including his general. So he, I think, killed fully killed one shark. His general hurt one shark, but because he didn't kill it, meant that two fought his general and crippled it basically. And then, quite comically, the Tidecaster killed a Morbeck Knight before she died, which I enjoyed. <laughs> I was like, she's rubbish, she's got like, a couple of two damage attacks. And then she put <laughs> put one of them through and did two damage to a Morbeck Knight. And I was like, oh, and she's got a fish as well. And then the fish like cut the Morbeck Knight's head off. <laughs> which is, if you play Deepkin, that's always just the best. If you can fish someone to death, it's incredible. So we had my Still turn. Scarred by the time you killed Belcor with a fish. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Lost Brotherhood. I killed a Mega Gargan with a fish. It's just so good. It's the best. <laughs> so then we went to my turn. Deepkin have a battle tactic for killing a monster with a shark. So easiest battle tactic I've ever scored in my life. I just pushed it, pushed all into him basically. So at the end of uh, battle round one, he had one zombie dragon left. Oh. Also. <laughs> For whatever reason, his general was the Ghoul King, not the Archregent, so he also lost the ability to bring any back. Yeah, we that, then that's rolled... just a list-building error. That's, yes, that's all that, that is. That is right. yeah. So he had one Zombie Dragon, a Ghoul Warden, an Archregent, and three crit players. And then we rolled Pryo. He got Pryo, and it was like, oh, okay, I have a play. And I said, it's Nexus Collapse, I'm destroying your two backfield objectives, and he shook my hand. That's, so that's painful. We... Mathed it out. It was kind of annoying to math out, actually. I had to run through it twice to make sure we both scored the correct number of points. I sold myself very short the first time. But anyway, that game ended up for 24-13, because obviously he destroyed all the objectives very quickly, and I ran out of things to score. But So I think I dropped a battle tactic, but that was it. Yeah, It's kind of... We knew that game was going to go one of two ways very, very, very quickly. I didn't think that quickly, but yeah. Thirty minutes. Both armies designed to do a thing, right? And it sounds like you yep. deployed to maximize your thing and minimize his. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. 
Yeah, this game is kind of one where you and me finished very quickly, and then everyone yes. else's games went right to the end. And we were standing there going, "What's happening?" Yeah, <laughs> when my game had like five minutes ago, I could see the two of you stood by the stairs in Firestorm, like looking over at me and then looking at each other. <laughs> like, so my game four was against Will Philpot, who had uh, Slaves of Darkness, Cabalists uh, list. So everyone's a wizard. Bit of a, a sort of slightly unusual Slaves list. He had. Some pretty standard stuff like the Chaos Lord on foot and two Sorcerer Lords. He also had the Chaos Lord on Manticore, which turned out to be incredibly annoying. And then he had like two units of ten Mark of Nurgle Warriors, a Chariot, five Knights, five Marauder Horsemen, and a unit of Theradons. So quite a lot of stuff that you see fairly regularly, but maybe in like a slightly strange order. I sort of hinted at maybe issue with this game being us being in the green flock zone and that issue is that the terrain we had on these tables a lot of it was like the big square firestorm fields that have existed for god knows how many years which are good as piece of area terrain and will very very efficiently remembered the cover rules which are a thing i never remember exists so the game started off quite well for me we were playing geomantic pulse I gave him first turn and he like threw his chariot and his marauders out and he'd already deployed castled in his corner and he like shrunk his castle in even further. Um, so then in return, I sort of thought I've got quite a lot of time to get across there. So I scored surround and destroy with the unit of pigs and the big pig and the wizard stood at the back and like sort of charge some stuff into like Marauder Horsemen and Chariots over the next couple of turns. The more Crusher did exactly what it was supposed to do, which is turn one, flew right to the back and killed the unit of Knights. Literally, it was on his backboard edge, like touching it. <laughs> killed the unit of Knights without tagging anything else in, which was what I wanted to do, because I wanted... My logic there was like, well, if I don't get the double turn, if I get unlucky, then... I have potentially, if he misplays it, I've got like a redeploy to sort of step it back and make him open his castle a bit to get to it. Um, I did get the double turn, so sort of my the rest of my stuff sort of came forwards. I teleported the brutes forwards, I think. Um, and then what happened here was like all the crusher could really get to was you know Theradons, so I massively overkilled them, and then began like three turns of me trying to kill a unit of 10 Chaos Warriors who were Mark of Nurgle, had the banner to minus one from my rend, was stood in a piece of cover, had oracular visions on them for a six-up ward, and always had at least one of like Mystic Shield or All Out Defense on them. They were like never below a one-plus save. It was horrible. It did chew through them slowly in a sort of grind. I think Will... I still think it was an error, probably. He picked the like the side really near his army to be where the pulse started. So it immediately started moving past all of my stuff onto all the objectives that I already held. Um so it looked for a while like it was really going my way. And he did then he did eighteen mortal wounds to my Moor Crusher with Blizzard, which I just like for, it was the first time it was used against me, so I just forgot it existed. Luckily it killed two units. So it had 20 wounds, so it didn't die. So he charged up an arcane bolt on a little sorcerer lord and charged it in. And I was like, 
this is going to be so good if he doesn't kill it. And then he rolled a three on the mortal wounds, unfortunately. So uh-huh. I was like, roll a one, roll a one, roll a one. Oh, please roll a one. Because then he has to, I think the more crusher might have been finest hour at this point as well. So it's like, then he has to try and get through a more crusher with like a two or one up save with the Lord's melee attacks. But alas, it died. The brutes and ragers sort of spent most of the game trying to kill those 10 chaos warriors. Meanwhile, the other 10 warriors like killed the pig and managed to sort of move around my army and start marching down the objectives with the the Manticore Lord as well. Yeah, and he just sort of got past my stuff. I think I made a misplay here that might have cost me the game, which is that I retreated my unit of Ard Boys from a combat, and I then redeployed them in his turn, so they were even further back. What I actually should have done in my turn is... I don't know if I... When I say retreated, I don't think I did a retreat move. I just like moved or ran them away. And really, probably what I should have done in my turn is charge them into his lord and then sink a load of command points into trying to keep them alive and tying stuff up on that side of the board. And it might have given me an extra turn of scoring against him, I think. But as it was, he just sort of he ended up outscoring me. I managed to bounce my wizard around with teleports a lot and it ended up right in his back corner. And him needing, I think, a 12-inch charge with the Lord to get to it. And we were just like, well, if you get there, you're definitely going to kill it. But he didn't roll it. I think he rolled a 10. And then he re-rolled it into like a 3 or something. So not a bang, but a whimper. But yeah, it ended a 31-21 to him. So like a, again, like a 16-4 or something. Was I think this is probably the game I'm most disappointed with over the weekend. Not in terms of like the enjoyment I still had a great time wearing will. Wearing will. Oh my god! Excuse me. <laughs> right, that's <laughs> going to become relevant in a moment. That's over the tongue. I had a great time playing against Will. He was a really fun opponent, but I was just like super mad about terrain rules for most of the game. <laughs> and then, like, I made a couple of misplays. Uh, the he was also wearing possibly like the most insane T-shirt that I have ever seen. Uh, tournament, which is that this was Team Stupid Sexy. So on day one, I think they all had t-shirts with the logo on that was Ned Flanders in his skiing costume from The <laughs> Simpsons, saying, like, feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. And it's, like, just a zoomed-in picture of his butt with Team Stupid Sexy. And I was like, those are quite funny. And then Will was wearing, on day two, what I can only describe as, like, a custom one of those, where the picture on the front was the eggplant emoji except it had Ned Flanders' glasses and nose and butt at the bottom half of it. And then on the back, it said Big Willy 69. So, (laughs) (laughs) like, a genuinely distracting T-shirt to be across the table from. (laughs) But it was really quite a fun game. No no complaints other than I lost. (laughs) But the team carried me through. Yeah, this is a big win. so... Zach won his game and Chris won his game. It was Chris's first win, and I he yeah. pulled this one out of the bag because there was a point where I was walking around the tables and Kurdos Valentian had killed two bloodthirsters, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> how have we lost this round?" But he then no, rascal meteored a lot of things. I think that was blood tired, and, and yeah, I saw him with like five minutes left on the round doing a, like a prayer up to the heavens. <laughs> I, thought, I, I don't know if this was the round that Chris was explaining to me like 
he had like done some huge brain play to like feed a unit to his opponent right at the end of the game, which had like lost him an objective but got him a blood tithe that he could then use to deny his opponent's grand strat by dropping it on his yes. wizard or something. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yes, I think that was it. such a good play. And I think Luke had a quite a close game into Gargants on this one where yeah. he wrote something about this in his Yeah. <laughs> so under notable moments he has written. Some notable moments were fa- included failing to cast Blizzard on 4d6 against a Mega Gargant, which might have turned a close loss into a confident victory. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's They're a fun team, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Final round. And after rounds. this game, I was reasonably confident we weren't going to come last. Cause yes. We were going to come last. Two and two. Yeah. Two and two. Mm. So and we're into the final round with it all to play for. The podcast name rebranded. Uh... <laughs> two and three. <laughs> So round five, I uh, talk a bit more about the draft because this draft was crazy. So we were, you put, you guys probably had no idea this was happening. Me and Chris were howling. We were getting it took a really long time. We did, were yeah. standing around going, what are they doing? This game Locust, team, Lo- team Locust, yeah. So they had a Stormcast army that none of us wanted to play against. And then they came up and said, oh yeah, a Stormcast player didn't show up, so we've replaced him with this, this Zinch list. And <clears throat> so the first battle plan was... No reward without risk, which is the one where you can deploy into combat. Me and Chris <laughs> said, wouldn't it be amazing if we got corn into Zeech on no no reward? That would be, like, glorious. And then we thought, well, that's stupid. They'll never, never in a million years will they pair Zeech into a no reward without risk match. Like, that would be crazy. So we held Chris back, because normally that would be an amazing battle plan for him. So we held Chris back, and we put crunch down first instead because we thought iron jaws no reward fine starting off in combat great and then we moved off and did some more drafting and then they put down in response to crunch the fucking zinch army so we were screaming <laughs> we're like, we could have had our dream this could have been it this could have been everything we wanted and we we believed too much in our opponents we, <laughs> we thought too highly of them <laughs> obviously they saw something that we didn't but we declined that to try and keep the Zinch in the mix, which meant Rich ends up playing against Corn, I think. And then we did some more drafting, and it just ended up naturally at the end of the draft, because the way it ends up is you have these two armies that haven't been picked at all, and they just get paired off into each other automatically. And that automatic pairing ended up with the, the Corn into Zinch matchup we wanted from the start. So perfect. <laughs> Genius drafts. Just, just not on that scenario. I think Not you do actually do really yeah. well in this draft. Like, yeah, I think this draft one. This was really yeah. one where you bust was... a couple of people potentially, but got really good matchups for others. So I was sceptical because I felt like I'd been bust apart from the scenario. But... Yeah, so we, we, part of the way we got that Zinchin's Corn outcome was by putting Luke into Croak Seraphon. So, <laughs> sorry, Luke. <laughs> Although, I. I watched a lot of that game happen, and I, th- I believe he could have won it had he not. I think there's a couple of genuine like mistakes he made that could have, but he could have won the game. So I, I don't think it was that bad. Yet. Like incredible yeah. mental strain, just playing I, against Seraphon and following what they do, right? So he's never played that army before, and I, in my game, I was gen- we were genuinely in our first turn, and they had not deployed yet because he was telling t- telling him all the shit Seraphon do. So you know, it is what it is. So, I guess I can go? 
Yeah, go for it. Go first. I was playing Gareth Bunn on Spring the Trap. He was playing Legion of the Night. Let's see, he had Manfred, he had a Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon. He had a White King on Steed, two units, ten skellies, two units, three bats, ten Black Knights, five Black Knights, ten Graveguard. Kind of a bit of everything. So the gimmick with Legion of the Night is they can counter charge, and Manfred can also, whenever he redeploys, he can charge instead. So they have like two potential out of phase charges, and Manfred gets always struck first when he charges. Yeah, so he, because it was on Spring of the Trap as well, that's the battle plan where you can take stuff off the board and put it back on in battle round two. So he deployed most of his stuff in the grave. So he just deployed his two heroes and then two units of 10 skellies and everything else went in the grave. And then after deployment, he took the Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon off. So he just had Manfred and two units of 10 skellies. So I gave him first turn. I kind of knew what was going to come. Again, it was just like, I'm going to get Alpha Struck. It will happen or it won't. He, in his first turn, he brought up unit three bats on one distant objective. He wasn't too bothered about just to score. And then on the other side of the board, he brought in Manfred, who used the Legion of the Night hero action to teleport nine inches away. And then brought up all the Black Knights and the White King on the other flank, as the same flank as Manfred. And then basically punted it all on a load of nine inch charges. I think he thought he was unlucky, but he got two of the four things in. So it's fine. Black Knights do a load of damage on the charge there with impact hits, so he like killed a shark with impact hits. I kind of felt at this point like I was probably going to lose this game. <laughs> I just sometimes you just feel it in your bones. I maybe feel it in my bones too often, but he also had a command trait called the Bait, which gives him plus one save and plus one ward on his summonable units in the first turn. So I then went in on the Black Knights and White King and just kind of ricocheted off, didn't really do anything. Yeah. And then he got the Prio into two and brought the Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon on in my backfield, like behind my army, and then moved Manfred three inches away and charged the remaining sharks on that flank. Because they were just sort of grinding out with the Black Knights, neither of which could like kill each other. Yeah. So then he made the charge with Manfred, failed the charge with the Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon. So Manfred went in and he killed the Tidecaster and a shark. And so I had one shark left and that piled around the black, the remaining Black Knights so that it was within three inches of Manfred. So Manfred was then tagged. This play probably won me the game. Manfred got tagged in combat and... He scored loads of points, as usual. I then got to have my turn two. He does something a bit weird as well, which I think probably a combination of the, the tagging Manfred and this, I think, wins be the game, which is he, in my turn, used the Legion of the Night heroic action to teleport the Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon into his far back board edge, so away from my army. So I go from having two big threats in the middle of my army yeah, to one. Um, turns a choice off for you, right? And just Exactly. So it, there's no punish to me fully committing the eels and the king into Manfred. So they they take him off. And at this point, the turtle can go in and kills all of the black knights and the white king. So what looked really bad is turned into me rolling up that entire flank. And all he had on the rest of the board at this point was the vampire lord off in nowhere and a load of skeletons and bats, which I was just gunning down with the sharks. Remaining you're also, you're going into high tide turn then as well, right? So yes, 
So he got the turn, but his the only thing he could do with the vampire lord, the only thing that was near was the turtle. So he charged the turtle, and it was high tide, which he forgot. And I, I don't know. I mean, I can't remind everyone all the time. <laughs> I just used the thing in the turn before that gave me high tide. So he knew high tide existed and what it did. I told him at the start of the game when I got high tide. It's like the core thing the army does. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know he forgot until we'd already played the entire combat out. So he said after the whole phase, he's like, oh, that high tide was annoying. I was like, yeah, it's kind of what my army does. So basically what happens is the turtle fought first. One of its attacks on a six to hit does three mortal wounds, but if the target's a monster, it does not have six mortal wounds. So he put this one six mortal wound thing through and another bite for three damage. So it did nine damage with that and then put a four damage fin through. Ooh. So it, leaving it on like three wounds or something. Yeah, so it was basically crippled when it fought back. He healed up a bit, and the turtle was on one wound, I think, after he fought. But then he was pinned, and the eels came in and killed that. And then he didn't really have anything. He brought on the grave guard, and they just got shot to death. I punted on in about round three. I punted on the deepkin battle tactic to kill three units in high tide. There was a guaranteed battle tactic I could have had, but because the Deepkin battle tactics, a lot of them are timing-based, they're based on tides, if I don't do it then, I just like, miss out on the opportunity, so I, I punted on it on a dice-based one, and which came off and I got it, which meant I had a guaranteed one later, and then yeah, I was just shooting bats and skeletons for the rest of the game at that point. He had a he failed all but one of his resurrection rolls. Oh, that sucks. A bit unlucky, but also I don't think he was in a position to use them to win. So he had a potential play he talked to me about, about stopping my grand strat by summoning and then charging onto it, or running onto it in the next turn, but I could just screen that out after he told me he could do it. I probably wouldn't have thought about it if he hadn't told me, but I mean, he told me, so I just did it. <laughs> Which maybe, maybe I should feel bad about the Hito thing, but I don't. So that Ended up as a 26-17 win. If you'd asked me at the end of battle round one, I'd have said I was going to lose that game. But I just think a couple of things meant really swung it quite hard. That just let me just like rip the heart out of his army. Oh, it's, in case it's not obvious, the reason that the shark pile into Manfred was so important was it meant I could move all of my shit up three inches away from Manfred. So the eels and the Without him redeploy charging into them. Without him redeploy charging me. And then the shark that was fighting Manfred, I could, because it moves 14, I can retreat that and be more than nine inches away. So he has no recourse to, to get away. Yeah. And I can get the full eel here. That's why that was so big. Nice. Um, Sounds like you played it really well. Yeah. I don't think you should feel bad about the high tide. Big brain. Like, if you tell someone at the start of the game. And it's not like you knew he had forgotten about it. Yeah, so, yeah. I think, I think if he there wasn't did the an obvious move. opportunity where you're just going to announce, "This is my high high, high tide turn," because you, you assume they know. If also, he did the charge move and then went, "Oh wait, it's high tide turn. Do you mind if I go somewhere else?" Like, don't do that. You probably so there was, go like, "Ah, fair enough." Like, because he was in the full corner of the board, there was nothing else he could have charged. It was the turtle or nothing. Probably should have chosen nothing. That's uh, yeah. yeah. Just a note on that. As you describe it, if you put everything else in his list in the grave, he also deploys legally because you can only put as much in the grave as you put on the board. But I don't know. Like that's that it could easily be you like misremembering one unit of bats being off in the corner or something. Or maybe the bats natively deep strike or something. 
Possibly, that's actually possibly true. Yeah, maybe it's the bats doing it. Yeah, the grave is specifically keyed off things like things being on the board, so it doesn't matter that you then take the zombie dragon off with the with the mission. Like that's okay. fine, but um, yeah, maybe the bats have something different. Anyway, that's right. fine. it doesn't matter. To give him to give him his moment, he did make a play at one point in the game where three fell bats killed a shark, which is fucking great. oh yeah, it's very funny. Nice. Go bats. I'm going to go next because I think Rich's game is way better than mine so we can finish <laughs> on a high. Okay, uh, so I was playing pool with Sylvaneths. So he had a very Kernoff Hunter focused list. He had three sword Kernoff Hunters, three bow Kernoff Hunters, six scythe Kernoff Hunters. He had Balthanos. He had an Arch Revenant. He had a Warsong Revenant. He had three Revenant Seekers and he had the Spite Storm Hive. This is a horrible matchup for me because six Scythe Hunters is one of the best units in the game for killing Gargants. But I think I don't think any of us really liked this matchup, so I think it was probably a sensible choice to put it in for me into me and give other people better games. We were playing No Reward Without Risk, which is the one where you can start in combat. We spent the first five minutes of the game debating whether you could start in combat, even though it was blatantly obvious we weren't going to, because he castled up in the corner, as Sylvaneth do. Not the best start, but I haven't made any notes. But broadly, what happened in this game was that his Scythe Hunters and Balthanos killed a Gargant every turn, and I just could not kill his stuff at anything like that pace. So Balthanos lets them run and charge, which means that he's not you know, he's got mobility beyond the sort of teleporting around the mm. Sylvaneth can do. Both Thanos can also roar the Gargants, which is meaningful because Scythe Hunters, I think, have rent three. So yeah. I, if they're also roared, I'm not getting a save against them at all, which is, you know, quite a big deal. So yeah, it was, I just could not survive that amount of damage. I did have one turn when I was trying to kill this. I got, I think I got a Mega Gargant and a Man Crusher Gargant into the Scythe Hunters. And I killed four of them. And if the Gatebreaker had rolled really hot, maybe I could have killed more. But he can bring back two a turn. I think he could auto bring back one and bring back another one on a two plus with the Revenant Seekers. Yeah. So I took them down to only two, but then I didn't get a double turn. I think getting the double turn then would have been the only thing when there was maybe a chance I could have pulled something out of this game. But he got the turn, brought back two Scythe Hunters, murdered everything they were fighting, and it just all went very badly. Um... I don't think there was a lot I could have done differently, to be honest. Uh, You know, he's got a lot of stuff. He played it really well. He sort of kept his army together as a castle, but moved it around sort of all as a block, so it wasn't just all sitting in one corner. Um, And he was very good at, you know, using the sort of various mobility options he had to get stuff into me. He won every priority roll, which made it... I, I don't think... I don't think I would have won if I'd won some priorities, but it would have been closer. So in particular, had I got prio on turn five, I could have scored my grand strat and got another point on objectives, whereas him going first meant he tabled me, so I was not able to do any of those things. That's a full so I think swing, yeah. I lost something like twenty two fourteen. But yeah, it was this was the game of the tournament when I felt I had the least chance of winning, I think. So, you know, it, yeah. was, a, it was a fun enough game, but yeah, comfortable loss. There's a reason there were like eight Pelthanosses or whatever, which said yeah. it's yeah. very good. It makes Sylvanus so yeah. much more oh, flexible yeah. as well. Yeah, all the Colonel, the Sylvaneth lists were quite different, and I think the Scythe, the six Scythe Hunters list is the worst possible Sylvaneth list for me to go into because <laughs> the Sword Hunters <laughs> still do a decent amount of damage, but they don't have anything like as much rend. So I'm way more scared of the Scythes yeah. than I am of the Swords, which probably isn't true for some other lists. It's yeah, yeah. How was your game, Rich? So I was playing against Dan, who had a corn list. Corn is a matchup I don't normally really like with Iron Jaws. I think it's really like 
your list has to do what it is meant to do because if it doesn't like it's taking mortal wounds from almost everything and that is bad for angels because there are no wards in the army apart from one ward you can put on a monster against mortal wounds specifically it doesn't even count against normal damage i think so basically no wards this is no reward without risk so I think this is a bit of a trap in that you don't normally want to deploy like fully forwards on the line. Yeah. Uh, but I I made like a curved screen of Ard Boys probably about I was fairly far forward, but probably sort of curving about six inches from the center point or something like that. And then had like a curved line of brutes behind them, and then sort of my other support units on the sides, and the more crusher just sat behind. Um and Dan deployed quite similarly, like he really castled up, but quite far forwards. And then I gave him first turn, and he went, oh, really? <laughs> so and I, I think probably what he should have done first turn is just charge Glabrand into something. Like he might not have got it to the Crusher, but he could have just killed pretty much any other unit by doing 16 more wounds to them. Uh, or certainly made them way less effective. But he actually went for Surround and Destroy, and he used Scarbrand like, on his backline, because he had lots of units of like Flesh Hounds and Flesh Hound cosplayers, and some Blood Reavers and stuff as well, I think, and a big block of Blood Letters. So it was the fairly classic, I've seen it a few times recently, like Scarbrand and the Unfettered Fury Bloodthirster, the one with the whip, which can make other stuff go fast. He went first. I don't think he charged anything of mine. He, but he like steps and stuff forward onto objectives and kept his screens up. Uh, but kind of crucially, he moved Scarbrand off to one side to in his back line and just had no screen in his backfield. So the in my turn, in my hero phase, I then just teleported the more crusher behind him. And obviously teleport means you have to deploy nine inches away and cannot move in the subsequent hero phase, movement phase. But the more crusher also has once per game free move in the hero phase. So it then moved three inches away from Scarbrand whilst managing just yeah. like through the way deployed to not be in on the other Bloodthirster as well when you charged. Uh, got the charge and one shot Scarbrand with I I can't remember if I wired this. I think I must have. I was just like, Scarbrand has to die. So I used his axe and the war and just like put everything into it. Yeah, that'll and, do it. Yeah, and charged. Well, you say that'll do it. I think I did the exact amount of damage to kill Scarbrand, which is only like 16. But I have a feeling he might... I think he roared me, and I think he succeeded on the roar. But I'd anticipated he was going to do this, so I went for. I'd I'd chosen to just finest out of turn one to get the plus one to wound, and I think rather than trying to roar him in return, I went for Titanic Jewel as well, so that I knew I was like two plus two plus on all of the attacks and then doing five damage with an extra rend sort of thing. Anyway, he killed Scarbrand. The rest of my stuff went mostly just sort of into his front line, so that I was on the objectives and killing his screens. I then got the double, and the Morecrush killed the other Bloodthirster. And at this point, it sort of looked fairly clearly in my favour. I did make a really, really big mistake, which is that in this 
in the double turn. I like Mighty Destroyers, the big unit of pigs, to get them around the building and then got a 3d6 inch charge into his big unit of blood letters, which I knew was sort of the other big threat on the board. But I was really sloppy on the charge because I wasn't, I was just like, they need to spread out. And I tagged in the Bloodmaster, which fights first and can also make a unit of blood that blood letters fight with him at the same time. So I charged the pigs in and then the blood letters killed three pigs in the fight first phase on my turn. And then the unit of pigs didn't do anywhere near as much damage. And then two of them ran away to battle shock. So oh, no. not ideal. Um, pigs went in bin basically but so it then did become quite sort of scrappy in the middle because of that whereas if i think if i'd just been able to like kill slash battle shock off the big unit of blood letters the game would have ended really quickly nonetheless the crusher remained in the game i sent it off to one side for a turn to score surround and destroy and it was going to come back in meanwhile brutes and rages sort of eventually did chew through the other cultists uh, and the bloodmaster Blood letters. A couple of war chanters did some pretty stellar work in combat as well, drumming blood letters to death with their attacks because it's kind of they get six quite high quality attacks other than having no rend. But if they go through their D three damage each, so classic like little hero that you think is going to be just there as a support piece and then sometimes just absolutely murders a unit. Um, so. Yeah, it scored. The score ended 24 18. We, we had quite a fun last couple of turns where, even though Dan knew he was going to lose, he'd worked out basically similar to how Chris had done in a previous game. He worked out like he could blow up my wizard, which would get him slaughter of sorcery for his grand strat. So I had to play a bit more conservatively to make sure I had not just him, but another unit as well in the back line to get mine. Um, yeah, we were kind of rushing at the end. Yeah. So on my scoring sheet, which is the score we gave in, it's 24-18, but I actually haven't ticked my last two battle tactics. So I think it should have been 26 or 28 because I think we worked out that we like opted to do something, I think, that would have got me one of those, which was just the one to have two Iron Jaws units in the middle of the battlefield. And then I think like after we'd done a load of other moving, we worked out that actually I could hang back from one of his units return just to take an objective off them and then charge into them with a unit and a leader and possibly get led into the maelstrom, but also a war chanter and a couple of brutes probably would have killed that unit of uh, yeah. Claws of Karanak. So, yeah, so 24-18 victory, really fun game. Dan was a really fun opponent. I think he's been playing quite a while. Um I asked him if he was interested in Old World at all, and he said no, because it's all the same models as the first time I got into fantasy. <laughs> and I think he's been he's been on the Warhammer circuit for a little while. During this game, he used the phrases cold comfort and like a band-aid on a sucking chest wound. So I think he he it was pretty clear early on to him at least that it was it was going my way. Uh, he was very done. fun though. Yeah. He was very, very fun. Like it was all in good humour and yeah, this was this was I think probably like the platonic ideal of like I've used that phrase like four times this podcast, but this is like the ideal Warhammer game for me. Like it's fun, it is competitive, I get to win, which is nice. <laughs> but it was played competitively, but we were both having fun. Like it, you'd reached we'd reached mm -hmm. the stage of the day where we weren't being really emotional about 
dice being exactly flat and things like that, which just takes a lot of pressure off. So yeah, that was a fun game, and I got a win, which is nice because I think I didn't get a win cool. last Brotherhood. So. Yeah, and the team got another win, and the team yes. got a win. Zach so this and is... Chris also won. Yeah. Yeah, Chris yeah. smashed up the Zeech. If he had lost that game after we did all that, I'd have been very sad, but he crushed it. But you're going to say you'd have been very angry then. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we got 75 points this round. And most importantly, you getting your win meant we all got at least one. Yeah. Ooh. Which was one of our goals, yes, right? shout so. out to Zach, was, who went yeah. 4-1, I think, over the five games. Zach did really well. Very good. Yeah. Should Ooh. we hear Luke's event yeah. recap? Uh, yeah. So he says, I made some errors here and there, especially with first turn, which I still can't decide what head knights want to do with. On reflection, I think it's always take second, but the battle tactics on offer for my list make it a hard decision. Mm. All in all, I probably didn't play as well as I could, and my list sort of proves Slash don't have the hammer they need. Being able to stack minus one to hit and minus one attacks in melee only gets you so far, and because depravity is a bit of a solve mechanic into the current meta armies, it's hard to get the momentum going. Despite all this, I still had a great time, and it's rekindled my passion for Age of Sigmar again. I do indeed have Balthanos on the way right this moment, and have a few other <laughs> yes. army ideas. Thanks to everyone. Sorry I didn't play better. Shame about the painting nominations, and here's to next time. Come on to that in a moment. Pretty good maybe. summary. Zach, yeah. Luke sent us a really well thought out and headlined like set of things that we've read out and by comparison Zach centers. I'm super proud of the team and how we did also gits are good uh, <laughs> which is also fair. So. But I think he's going to write something about the event on Goonhammer maybe yes, so perhaps probably, he will be yeah. more eloquent there. He's, sa- he's so. saving his takes for somewhere he gets paid for them but I will also get paid for him writing that stuff down so you know I'm, I'm all for this actually So overall uh, we went 3-2 and two. As a team. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wow. think way better than we expected to do, right? Mm. Yeah. So we came ignored the fact that yeah. Rich and I both went one and four individually and yeah. um, accept the team result. Well, it's, yeah, it's a team game. It's not. No. Uh, it's not yeah. 13th out 13th of 22. Out of yeah. So I think it exceeded all expectations. Yeah. So it's relatively low down for a three and two, but I think three and two was like the most common score teams got, and I think. Because one of our wins was very, very narrow. Yeah. That kept us down a bit. But to be honest, looking at it, we were only two tournament points behind the Bruce Hammond team we lost to in yeah. the end. So I think oh. I think that middle was very I think fat. they were down a player for day two. Oh, like. were they? Okay. Yeah. I, I think that might that. be the factor. Oh, right. I don't know for sure, but I think... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> to be fair, though, like the highest place three and two was Team Lit, who came in third place. So like mm. you can get quite high on that score if you get some big wins. Like, yeah. They had... They had a ninety, a seventy-nine, and an eighty-four, so um, yeah, that made up for their fifty-six and forty loss inverted commas losses. So yeah, I was super happy with thirteen. Yeah, same. Yeah, it absolutely. Was really, really good. Like if you look at where some other really good teams place, like say Bruce Hammer, although I think like they had some issues, I think, but also like Team Wales ended up in eighth. Team Fact ended up in seventh. Like some really pretty, pretty decent people there. Not that far ahead of us on overall tournament points. Mm-hmm. So, and that's always the rub, isn't it? You think like there's thirty thirty games across the event. So if each of us had only got like one more point in each of those, then yeah, it means a lot. 
then we would have been in like ninth place, I think, or tenth place, mm-hmm. maybe. So just those little that starts to illustrate how the little like tightly fought losses can still be really valuable. Yeah, I think uh, at previous Brotherhoods there has always been at least one game where I just felt completely outclassed in either I just played really badly or I just didn't understand what my opponent's army did and that didn't happen this time like I felt I went into every game knowing what I was doing knowing what my opponent was doing it kind of yeah. felt like I felt like we had stepped up a level I yeah. think, compared to where we were last time as a team definitely feel like I know more about the landscape of the game and just how it needs to be played which yeah. I think makes a difference shout out to Eat Bats as well who came 10th I didn't realize that good for them yeah, they had a good event. Yeah. We didn't get to play them because they were doing too well. We were hoping to play them or Sigmar's Pilgrims? Yeah, one of the Bristol, the, the Bristol yeah. teams. Who came two, I think. Yeah. Okay. So our rivals still beat us. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it was really good. Good fun. Do we want to touch on painting? I think we have to. We've, we've done Arden. Let's touch on it briefly. Okay, so I think collectively as a team we went into the event feeling pretty good about our army sort of at least some of our army's chances of getting painting nominations and uh, none of us did in the end and it's very easy to be sort of well sorry it's not very easy but my advice is always sort of be sanguine you can't control what anyone else brings to an event so you know if you don't get an award then, you know, someone else just painted better than you. And there's sort of no dispute about who did get the awards. Some lovely, lovely armies won awards. But we think we've come to the conclusion that maybe our armies just sort of didn't get looked at at all when people were picking out the nominations. That's not an accusation or a clear cut. But, um, yeah, I think we're, some of us just a little bit disappointed with that. But... Ultimately, like these events are run by volunteers, and the things like the painting judging are also done by volunteers. So, I mean, like Chris Tomlin makes some money off it, but it's also like <laughs> how he funds his painting business, right? So, yeah, like, yeah, it's it's hard to sort of express dissatisfaction without just sounding a bit salty, and there's nothing you can do about it. So, I guess it doesn't really matter. But I think there was a little bit of disappointment there. But yeah. yeah, the armies that did get trophies were really, really nice. So, don't know if either of you got anything to add to that. But no, I think not. That I, I didn't. Yeah, my army was not one of the ones on our team that I think I felt I had any chance of a painting nom. So, I, but yeah, I, it's just a tricky situation, isn't it? So yeah, like the only thing we could have done, I think at the start of day two when the nominations were announced is like raise a hand at that moment and go we don't think our stuff got looked at but I, it's I still we had that conversation until quite a lot we had had that, that conversation as a group at that point and i think still you know at that point sort of yeah maybe a mistake was made but unlucky you can't just turn everything upside down so yeah, what can you do? Right, what was the next bit? We are three and two. You can find us on Twitter at three two AOS or on Blue Sky at three two AOS, or you can email us at three two podcast at gmail dot com. 
might be three and two podcasts. It'll be in the show notes. Please go leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice. We'd love to know what you think. We, I've had a few people at recent events like tell me they like the pod, which is cute. And also that they found it through methods other than me telling them about it. So wow. that's nice. A shout out to John. Hi, John. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. So if you do enjoy it, please tell other people about it. Leave us a review, anything, anything you can do to share it. Because I think we all, we're over a year in now, we all like talking about AOS a bit. And hopefully we've got something interesting to say still. They keep changing the game, so it keeps filling episodes for us. Yeah. Cool. What about individually, Laura? Do you, can people find you uh, online? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at scops947. Instagram's probably your best bet, to be honest. Don't tweet all that much. Or you can find your cool, cool hobby blog called The oh, Magma you can Hold. find my hobby blog. I never remember what URL is. It's in my Twitter profile thing. You can get a link <laughs> from there. But I have blogged about what I did like an end of year recap and then at start of year, what are my hobby goals? And one numbers don't come last at Brotherhood, so I can take that one oh, off. Take it off. Very good. Nice. How about you, Matthew? Where can we find you? Do you want to be found? I, I guess uh, we'll put them in show notes and stuff, can't we? Like, I'm on Twitter at Matthew C. on board and. Have I put anything on Instagram the last year? I think I have, actually. But 37 Visible Skulls. Lovely. And you can find me on Twitter at Rich Nutter, on Instagram at RJ Nutter, and on Blue Sky at Rich N. Oh, that was good. Or you can find any of us on the Role Models Discord server. If you're a Discord user, discord.gg forward slash role models. That's R O L L. It's a dice pun, you see. Yeah, that's a nice vibe. Good vibe. People talk about all sorts of hobby and games there. Come join. That's it. That's it, I think. Cool. Thanks for listening to this monster episode. It's a behemoth. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Go to Brotherhood. Support Chris Tomlin's events because they're always really good. I assume mm-hmm. they'll be blackout later this year. He said August, yeah. Blackout in August. There'll probably be a Brotherhood next year, which is really good. Do it. Come play OS. AOS. AOS. It's good, it turns out. Yeah. But obviously the old world's taking over now, so I guess AOS. We're all going to have to burn our AOS armies. It's already done. (laughs) Fuck these sharks. (laughs) Right. Could just ramble forever or we could end the podcast goodbye